This is the joy of gaming. Welcome to the Joy of Gaming Podcast, episode 69. I'm Rich Lepore, and I am here with... Jordan Alseka. And it is the big one, the best of 2017 in gaming episode. Probably the most fun episode we do all year. Oh, undoubtedly. Um, I love the year-end stuff. This is our first one. We're doing it here because, you know, we always do this one. But uh, we're going to be doing TV and film and comics throughout the whole podcast. So a lot, lot of stuff coming up it's, for end of the year. It's exciting. And uh, I personally, I like the gaming one the best. So it's a good one to start off with. It has been an interesting year for gaming. I'd say lots of ups and downs. Um some games came out that we had high hopes for that, that turned out a little bit disappointing, and then there were some nice surprises in there, and then some games that sort of came out and were exactly what I expected them to be, so it was an interesting <laughs> mix. Yeah. Um, in... I don't know. If... Go ahead. Or, well, for me, it was a year that, you know, when I look back on it, I remember a lot of great games that I played, um, but I, throughout, it never felt like a particularly great year, mm -hmm. just in the process of it. And you know what it is, is, you know, uh, for the beginning half of the year, a lot of the games I would end up playing came out, but I could not play them because I didn't get a PS4 till the summer. Right. So, so games like Horizon Zero Dawn, Persona 5, uh, all the PS4 classics, really, that I've had a chance to get to now, those really bolstered my gaming summer, some of which were from this year, some of which weren't. And then, you know, on into the fall, had some pretty solid releases as well. Absolutely, and also this is the year that Nintendo released the Switch, which is a big comeback for Nintendo. Obviously, the Wii U was a pretty big failure. It sold like five or six million units total in its entire lifespan. The Switch has already broken that significantly. Um, it's really changing the paradigm. I'm surprised it's doing as well as it is, honestly. It's a $300 console, or 350 if you buy one with a game. It is, um, you know, in, in the era when a lot of people thought you know, new systems that aren't the Xbox One or the PS4 don't have a chance. Um, you know, PC has really risen in its popularity. Um, well, Steam has just gotten more and more and more popular, and, you know, the, the leaderboards on there just show that there's more and more people playing on PC. And then if they're not playing on PC or the other two consoles, mobile is a huge place uh, for a lot of gamers. So, it, you know, a lot of people wondered if Nintendo had a place anymore and if the Wii U was... I mean, of course, that was a very flawed system in a lot of ways and for a lot of reasons... But also, it, some people wondered, you know, is there even a place for Nintendo anymore? And honestly, the Switch has proved that there is. It's also a really revolutionary console. You've got, I, I know I have one. You, you don't yet, right? Right. What has been, uh, but you've checked mine out, I believe, and or, or, or seen Switches around. What do you think of it in general? I mean, to me, what it does that the Wii U didn't, uh, well, the Wii U had a lot of problems. The Wii U had a terrible name, for one, that confused most anyone who wasn't a hardcore gamer in terms of what it even was. Right. Um, Wii you know, HD even would have been better. It It is basically just, you know, people thought it was an, an accessory. Right. <laughs> they thought you bought the Wii U gamepad and it was like 200-some dollars, and they're like, whoa, that's too much money, right. or however much the Wii U was. Right. Um, and even before that, with the Wii, which definitely has you know, a lot of classic Nintendo games, but really they've drifted from third party over the past decade. Mm -hmm. They've 
catered to a more casual audience. And in fairness, with the Wii, that's where the money was coming from. People, you know, you couldn't buy make those fast enough. Or, well, it's Nintendo. They probably could, but j- wouldn't anyway. Um, and then uh, they, they just they lost third-party support because no one knew how to m- build for either of those systems, really. Right, um, right, right. Unless you went all in. And because the user base, the install base, was large enough on the Wii, they were able to get companies to make – companies could make it very profitable to put out, great example, Just Dance or the Lego games on there with different controls or, you know, Guitar Hero with, with the peripheral just designed around putting the Wiimote in it. Um, there were a lot of ways that companies sort of worked around it once the install base grew to 50 million and above. And it became a great place to access all types of gamers, more casual as well as the more hardcore. Um, so, sure. that, so that did happen. But you're absolutely but... right. Any one of the big AAA titles for the other consoles can't be adapted to those systems without tremendous work. Yeah, and so it became an issue of just by the time they started to figure it out, most people had already picked a camp between PS3 and Xbox 360. Um, and, you know, that's where all the big releases were. You, uh, Some publishers went to the Wii, but most of the big AAA studios stuck with the traditional structure. It certainly didn't hurt that, you know, or it didn't help that the Wii and the Wii U were both underpowered for their generation. Um, I don't right. know that the Switch is as powerful, but it at least feels like a catch-up and feels mm-hmm. like it is closer to being at least, you know, comparable. Right, right. And if and as you, as you very well pointed out, the Wii U, had it been more marketed as finally Nintendo has an HD console, I remember when I first put a Mario game on on the Wii U, I was blown away. In fact, I remember you and I playing it, and it was just like, I still, it was months after I'd gotten the system, and I was still blown away by the fact that I am playing Super Mario Brothers in HD. It felt revolutionary. A lot of people just never experienced that. Um, and so the Switch is the first time for most people that they're seeing what high-definition Nintendo gaming looks like. So even though it may not have the same horsepower under the hood that the new generation of consoles has, it it looks glorious. And in most cases, especially for Nintendo first-party games, it's got plenty of power to, to power that stuff. Uh, and it has stuff to power. I mean, let, let's be, you know, whatever you think of, of Nintendo, they, they had one of the strongest launch years of any console ever. Um, yeah, you know, and they 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 announced a bunch of games and they all came out, which is rare for Nintendo or any console at launch. That's a really good point. And that and another thing that's important to talk about in the year of gaming was E3 this year and also Nintendo's sort of performance at E3. So Nintendo has really shown itself through the Switch and beyond. And, and I'm still hesitant because there's been so many years of being, you know, in an abusive relationship with Nintendo. <laughs> but. They finally seem to be learning the lesson of giving fans what they want. Um, You know, Nintendo, and in a lot of ways, Japanese corporate culture is very um, close to the vest. You know, you keep your your cards close. You don't show your hand. Well, Nintendo has finally started showing their hand more. And decisions that they made, for example, another Metroid 2 remake being completely shut down. Now, they do that to every game, so I don't think this is the only reason, every fan-made game. But when they shut that down... We had no idea what the, you know, any good reason for them doing that because they weren't making one. Oh, but they were. They were making, you know, Metroid Returns and or Samus Returns. And so once we saw that that happened, it made so much more sense and it softened the blow of another Metroid 2 remake being canceled. The same is true of things like the Pokemon HD game that's coming out maybe this year, but probably next year. Um, and uh, the new uh, Metroid Prime 3. These are games that Nintendo let us know that are in development. And so it, it, that's just something they never did before. Um, every other developer tells you about, we have Anthem coming out in three years, basically. Nintendo didn't do that before. Um, and so that is a 
big, big change. Now, on the flip side of that, we still don't have any kind of online support that's, you know, solid. We still don't have a virtual console, so there's, and they're not talking about either, really. Um, so there are a lot of things that they are still keeping close to the vest, but they've gotten a lot better. Things like including Star Fox 2 in the Super Nintendo um, thing, Super Nintendo Classic that came out. Um, that's just something they wouldn't have done before. Why, why yeah. should they? I mean, they're still they're still going to march to be their own drum, you know. Yeah. They 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 did that already. Just this look year. at arms. Um, with yeah, uh, well, also just the mini direct they released that gave good announcements, but not the announcements people are waiting for, like all the things you just mentioned: online infrastructure, virtual console. Right. Um, but you know, you got to give it to them. They pro they had a phenomenal year. They got third party support. They have big games. They have Bethesda providing, you know, Skyrim on the go is obviously a big thing. Supposedly plays um, pretty competently. Same thing with Doom. Doom, they have Wolfenstein 2 coming. Um they ha- they just announced Dark Souls is coming. So they they're getting these remasters, they're getting these these ports that are, you know, games that are great. I mean, it does the one thing that I think they they were trying to kind of play around with with the Wii U gamepad that you know the Vita was trying to be, but they're they're giving people a true console experience that they can take with them. Right, and if they can get the install base up where it needs to be, it could finally realize the potential of the Vita. Um, you know, on a scale that that will provide the, the games that we want to see. Yeah, I mean, and let's be fair beyond that. They're getting there just by the f- virtue of wh- whatever we think of them. You know, two of the games of the year are Zelda and Mario. Right, I and mean, they were both ridiculously critically acclaimed and zelda was a console seller like i mean you always think about the killer app and i I think it's been recently less of a a major thing no breath of the wild was the killer app it was the date it was the game that got people to buy that thing immediately absolutely i mean as far as quantity their launch lineup was really slim but it didn't matter because as long as breath of the wild was bunt was was what you bought you were set for 80 to 120 hours, and it didn't matter what else you bought. Because even if you had three other games, you'd be playing Breath of the Wild anyway. So it's just that yeah. kind of thing. And then Odyssey um, in the same year, amazingly. And uh, some people, some people's favorite Switch game of the year is Zelda, and some people's favorite Switch game of the year is Odyssey. It's not quite 50-50. I think that the, the lean is towards Zelda just because of how revolutionary it is, especially for that franchise. But generally speaking, some people think Odyssey is the game of the year. It's amazing. Yeah, and then, you know, they had other, other solid titles like ARMS, weird as it is, Splatoon 2. Splatoon 2 um, is a big hit, I understand. Mario Kart yeah. 8 sold a ton of copies. And then the they're lux. getting things like a bunch of Japanese games like uh, Disgaea 5 came to it. You know, they the content is there for the first year. This year is still, you know, they, they did announce a few big ones with like, uh, you know, I think Bayonetta 1 and 2 is about to come out and then Bayonetta 3. I don't route. know if that's this year. Probably next. But yeah, regardless, um, I mean, that's a game that, I mean, Bayonetta 2, by all measures, did not do well. Now, granted, it may have new legs on the Switch because they're bringing it back out. And boy, does it need it. I think probably, if I had to guess, I'd say 50,000 people or less played that game, period. No, I would look, I'm not, I'm not uh, doubting that, you know, by the end, by a couple years from now, all of the big Wii U games will have made their yeah. way to the Switch. Yeah. I mean, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze just got announced. Yep, it's all you know, So it's not long. New Super Mario 3D World, uh, oh, Super oh. Mario Maker, oh, all I that. Oh, I got another one, uh, the one you really liked on Wii U, uh, Zelda. Uh, uh, yeah, Hyrule, uh, Hyrule Warriors. That got announced as well, like the complete edition. Right. So, I mean, if you missed the Wii U, they're, they're going, and they know you did. <laughs> right, right. By definition, they're, they're gonna you did. They're going to make sure that you get to enjoy those titles and give them, you know, the money for it. Right, right. Excellent. So um, Nintendo had a killer year. 
Um, PSVR is is they're they're still chugging along every month with PS Plus. They put, they give you like a free VR game, and they're really trying to push it. Um, Resident Evil 7 was a huge deal at the beginning of this year. Um, supposedly, it's like the first. I didn't play it in VR, but supposedly, if you do play it in VR, it's this phenomenal experience that really proves the merit of that. Um, there's also Skyrim VR that came out this year, so VR is chugging along just as I and I think we both expected. Though it's going to be a little while um, until it's anything you yeah. have to have. Um, well, it's still a very high price. Um, yeah. You know, it's as much as a console on top of the console. Right. For PlayStation anyway. And then it's 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 honestly it's kind of depressing. I remember watching the E3 conference and seeing games where it'd be like, oh, this looks cool, like the inpatient. And then it'd be like, know, oh, it's, it's a VR game. That's the number one that I wanted um, is that is that Until Dawn prequel. And um, there's a lot of things that are like that that, that I want to play. I would have loved to play that Psychonauts Rhombus of Ruin game that came out. Not that that's like a big deal or anything. It's just a short game made only for VR. But, I mean, there are a lot of experiences that I wish weren't relegated just to that. I'd even play Until Dawn or Rush of Blood just to, like, play an on-rail shooter again, a la that really good um, Dead Space uh, on-rail shooter they had on Wii. I like yeah. an on-rail shooter every once in a while, and we don't get them very much, so I wanted to play that. And, and by the way, VR is the home of the on-rail shooter because of the dizziness factor so if as long as you're moving along at a set pace and you're not walking you tend not to get dizzy so you know, robo recall and all these other games are on railsy yeah um but you know speaking sticking with playstation they had a great year too you know horizon zero dawn yakuza zero persona 5 near um, automata near automata a bunch of great ports and updates crash uh danganronpa um the nonary games for zero escape i mean they got so many great old games and new throughout the year um you know playstation had a great year too it was a good time to get a playstation and Um, and conversely um xbox had a terrible year yeah, Xbox um, interestingly, was there. So, yeah, so the thing about Xbox is there are people that are loyal Xbox people. And, you know, and I understand a big part of what I always tell people, being, you know, somebody that knows quite a bit about games, that people ask me a lot, what should I get when they don't have a console yet? And I always say, I, r- late, well, I, I used to say I like my Xbox One better. Lately, I've been enjoying my PS4 more, interestingly. Um, maybe not that interestingly, maybe very clearly. Um, but I always say, what are your friends playing? Because that is what matters. If you have a bunch of friends that are on Xbox One, that is the console you should get. Because even if you don't play online, the leaderboard support, the fact that you can just communicate with them, see what they're playing, watch their stream if they want to stream it, whatever it might be. There's so much to gaming now that is is cooperative, even beyond just playing with somebody directly, um, that I always say that that's the way to make your decision on your console. That said... Xbox One had a terrible year. The couple games that that were going to come out um, were delayed. Um, You know, I don't know if Sea of Thieves was ever coming this year, but if it was, it's not now. It's coming in February. And then also, which is the big rare title that's supposed to be like their big game this year. It's getting the buzz. Right. So, I mean, it it probably will hit. It'll hopefully make a splash. Yeah, it looks like it will. Ha ha, splash. It's a a seafaring (laughs) game. Um, And then also, um, the other big one that got pushed was Crackdown 3. Now, I don't know how big that's actually going to be. They're going to put a lot of push behind it. But, you know, every if you remember when we talked about E3 on our E3 episode, my big comment was, this game looks ridiculous. It looks like an uh, Xbox 360 game at best. And a lot of people had that sentiment, and they are they did go back to the 
proverbial drawing board graphic wise at least and they're they're tweaking it up they're 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 tweaking the graphics on level three jordan <laughs> but Good. I mean, yeah they need to i mean that game needs work um you know this whole thing about oh it's cloud compute and you know they're doing all the computing in the cloud and then we find out that's only the multiplayer oh and then we find out another team is making the single player campaign so crackdown 3 is troubled if it turns out to be a good game because it had an extra eight months in the oven that's great news i'm always for that but you know that's that's a that's a, a risk that they took because the Xbox One X came out and it's a five hundred dollar is it five hundred really I think it is it's five hundred dollar yeah. console it's the most powerful console ever with the most teraflops but there's no software for it there's nothing now yeah there are games that well, nothing that are, exclusive right I there mean, are games that are up resed and 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 the the four K and HDR support has been added and all kinds of stuff like that but exclusives this is going to be this year and so Xbox One really fell behind last year even with somebody like me who's a huge Xbox One proponent. In the in the uh, play, in the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 era, I became a convert over to the, the Xbox for the first time. And then in the Xbox uh, One um, PS4 era, I was more on the Xbox One, but that's changing. PS4 has won me over with the great games that it has. If you want to play everything you can play on Xbox and all the great exclusives on PS4, PS4 is the place to be. Plus, it's so easy to use. Um, I just am really loving my PlayStation 4 this year. Um, and, and, and I do want to hear your thoughts on that, and then I have one more point I want to bring up. Oh, yeah. No, I would I would agree. Like, I am an Xbox person. A lot of it comes down to that gamer tag and that sense of legacy. And so, yeah, when, it, when there's a... Yeah, when there's a multi-platform game, um, I tend to get the, the, the Xbox version. So in a lot of ways, I didn't think about that fact until this year, where it was like, man, there's not a lot coming, and I've kind of played everything I can play, and just, yeah, the, the one is is struggling. I mean, even if you look at coming up, 2018's not looking a whole lot better when you consider that, like, the, the I mean, Xbox has its two biggest franchises, Halo still doesn't have a new game announced, and it's now been, it'll have been three years this November, It'll it's have clear to there's be not going to be... You don't think it's going to be one this year? They usually, look, they, traditionally they announce Halo's like two, a year to two years out. Wow. Um, and I think they've, they recently 343 hinted at something this year, but it was pretty clear not Halo 6. Wow. So, uh, it is a surprise. I mean, it's been three years. Halo is still for, I mean, I don't even know. I, I don't know how big Halo still is. Probably somewhat, but I don't think that, you know, the, the longer they go without a big title, the less people are going to care about it. It is now a... 18 year old franchise now that said there was uh, one little little teeny teensy weensy boon xbox had was being the console that got player unknown battlegrounds first that is true um i forgot um, to mention that however a lot of people say the performance issues on it are terrible so i don't know apparently it's a far inferior version to the pc regardless though for console players like i am um and you are um that's kind of the only place you could really play it Alternatively, both both systems got Fortnite <laughs> Battle Royale for free, and that's you know as close as you could get, and a lot of people prefer it. So right, well that's a that's a really interesting thing. So obviously the Battle Royale um, concept you know dates back to actually the play you know a lot of different mods that were made for Arma and Daisy, um, these really hardcore like giant games that were all about like a really realistic military experience, and then people modded those to make Battle Royale. And one of those people that did it was the player unknown guy. I always forget his na real name, but basically he made an Arma mod, he made Daisy mods, and then finally. Um, some developers said, hey, you make these amazing mods that get these crazy numbers of players. Why don't we let you make a game? And so they gave him a budget, and he made Player Unknown, and it's the biggest hit of the year by far. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it is, you know, sort of like last year we, we said Overwatch, even though none of us had really played it, was clearly the game of 2016. Yeah. Battlegrounds is, you know, far and away the game of 2017. Uh, in terms of, yeah, in terms of that, I'd say Breath of the Wild has a case, you know. To oh, certainly, made. but I, I just, how big it got out Ubiquity. of nowhere with yeah. no, yeah. And in terms of being new, it is, you know, a completely new franchise. It's got that. It's just, yeah, it it, it feels like it dominated the conversation. Yeah, it's the most amazing story of, of 2017. If you wanted to say one thing that really sums up 2017 and just blew all of our minds with its popularity and surprise, that would be it. Um, and then the other thing that I want to mention really oh, – oh, I know what I wanted to say about the Battle Royale thing. So then it, there is a, there is something to be said for the fact that it's kind of a ripoff that Fortnite, which was struggling with its main game, decided to do a Battle Royale version, basically completely dead-up copying the, the uh, uh, Person Unknown Battlegrounds format. I mean, you fly in in a plane, you drop down. I, I mean, everything about it is almost identical. Unfortunately, apparently, they made it even more fun. Um, and so for a lot of people, they actually prefer it, like you said. So that's kind of weird. I mean, you, on one hand, it's it, it's like, boy, they kind of ripped it off and that's crappy. But on the other hand, it always was a mod that was community-based and, and nobody owns the right to the Battle Royale concept, you know? No. So and, you know, they were at least more subtle about it than, you know, some games like Paladins has a Battlegrounds mode and they just called it Battlegrounds. Oh, goodness. Well, I mean, if you look at the announcement, it just looks like they copied the, the text over in the same font almost. And interestingly, also, um, and speaking of copying, this just popped into my head. Um, Xbox, when they made their advertisement for Player Unknown Battlegrounds, they actually stole one of the, this user on, on the internet. He made like this picture to advert like you know people like do their own little fan pictures of like what an ad would look like for like when they're getting all excited for a game coming out so he made this ad and it was basically an xbox one x or an xbox one s i think it was white and then there was this like grass growing out of the top of it and a couple boxes over to the side and a, a player unknown character walking through the grass as if the grass was growing out of the xbox one and like the like this character was kind of like popping out the top of it because he's so badass like and and that exact image i mean if you see the side by side xbox copied the exact image so there's a lawsuit going on about that right now which was weird a lot of copying going on this year but the one other big story that has to be talked about for 2017 is the rise and fall and controversy of microtransactions um this was the year with battlefront 2 um and it was a big win it was a big win for fans because battlefront 2 obviously it's the new star wars game that game was coming out front end loaded packed to the gills with microtransactions to the point where if you wanted to play as luke skywalker or darth vader it was like a hundred dollar investment to get them out something crazy like that and it killed the, I mean, the game was, uh, it was getting such bad PR and Reddit was so angry at it that Disney apparently tapped active or wh whoever it was on the shoulder, EA, yeah, EA, EA, I believe, yeah. and said, yo, you're killing our brand with this badness. You're making us seem too overtly greedy. We need to look discreetly <laughs> greedy, you know? Um, and so they, they literally took microtransactions out of the game, period. And they made the, the, the grind to get those characters much smaller. It still hurt the game. The game did really well anyway, but it hurt the game a lot. On the other side, a game I'm much more familiar with personally, Destiny 2, they have leaned very heavily into making the game more casual and to making the game focused on the Eververse store, which is the which is the pay to play. Uh, it's um, 
Uh, you buy cosmetic items, but it's also things like sparrows, which help you move faster in the game world. So it's starting to edge into gameplay stuff. Um, you can get armor. It doesn't have a high level, but then you can add levels to it. it, it it's very iffy, and also so much of the good gear is stuck behind microtransactions. So the whole community is in an uproar about that. Um, there's other games that are having issues like this. So microtransactions, it's really come to a head. And I'm glad because I literally won't play a game that's microtransaction heavy. In fact, I almost don't ever play mobile games. And that's fine. I have a lot of portable consoles because of that. I'll give you a great example. I was going through the store on PlayStation 4 and looking what to buy like on these holiday sales for a couple dollars. And I saw that Marvel Pub Puzzle Quest was on there. And I was like, wait a minute. Does this mean if I buy this on here, I can play it without microtransactions? So I go to uh, online and I look it up, and sure enough, they made a $15 version of the iPhone game, and it's without microtransactions. So I can finally play Marvel Puzzle Quest and actually <laughs> enjoy it. And it was like $1.99 on, on Christmas, so I was like, yes, please. So now I have that, and I may actually play it. Like I will, I would much rather pay 20 or $30 and play it without transactions. Much rather. Sure. And anybody who's smart would too. So yeah, um, microtrans or well, microtransactions to me are still something that I get. I think that you they can be done with a deft hand. I think it needs to not be you know play to pay to win mm -hmm. or pay to have you know any kind of fun. Which you know the Star Wars Battlefront thing definitely edged into <laughs> that issue. Yeah. Um, but you know I play Overwatch all the time. And given that it's purely cosmetic, um, it helps, and I, you, they give you loot boxes for leveling or playing arcade and winning a certain number of times a week or just for logging in sometimes. Like, they give they gave everyone five free boxes for Christmas. So, you know, I get it. I Would, would I rather it be something like every time you leveled up, you got tokens that were in-game currency and then you could buy what you wanted? Yeah, I'd prefer that because it would make it less frustrating. More planable. But... Yeah, but, you know, for the most part, I don't really play games that have microtransactions either. Not as a rule, just I typically don't. Yeah, it doesn't – yeah, luckily the, the Venn diagrams of games you like to play and games that have microtransactions don't generally cross over, which is nice. Not a lot of, uh, not a lot of microtransaction opportunities in visual novels. Yeah, exactly. I've been, I've been playing some Danganronpa also. Cool. Well, um, anyway, I think that's a good summation of the year. Um, just give uh, our thoughts on, on, on everything. I, you know, definitely some ups and downs for 2017 for sure, huh? Yeah, and I think that'll be reflected in our lists. Awesome. Which, awesome. as always, break it down. We'll have, what are yeah, the categories? Yeah, we're going to... We're going to go through basically all the things we usually do. We're going to have the most disappointing game of 2017, the most surprising, the worst game of 2017, along with our top three bests. Uh, we'll have some honorable mentions for games we would have that almost made the top three for us but didn't quite get there. Mm -hmm. We'll have a game from not 2017 that we really loved and spent a lot of time with this year, as well as looking at our favorite character, our wish we'd played, the game's that you know we didn't get a chance to play enough to to you know justifiably rank anywhere and we will also have a fun made up category that we always kind of do off the cuff every year and just throw out there cool uh without further ado um uh hit, kick it off let's see uh, what's what's our first category uh this year all right, our first category this year, we are going to be looking at what we wish we'd played either at all or more of. And this is just sort of, you know, there are a lot of big games that come out every year. You know, with big internet sites like IGN, they can cover everything and they have a huge pool of people. For us, we play what we play and we, you know, admittedly play a lot. But there are some games we don't get a chance to get to that, unfortunately, we just we, we don't feel uh, we want to we at least acknowledge those games so that you're not like, well, why wasn't this on the list? Right. 
because there are some uh, there are some big ones um, and some smaller ones too. Uh, I'm gonna start off with uh, a couple quick ones, uh, if that's okay. Yeah, go uh, for it. I'm gonna rock uh, a couple indie games that I wish I had a chance to play, or three or four of them. Um, so the first is Sexy Brutal. Have you seen this game? Yes. That game looks amazing. Um, it is a murder mystery game where it's like isometric perspective and really beautiful colors, and I would love to have played it. Um, Another one is Dead Cells. That's a PC-only Metroidvania. I don't play PC games, and I know it's coming to consoles eventually, so I can't wait to play it there. Um, and then um, two others, uh, Observer. Did you see that one? I I know the title. So Observer, I know they're so crazy. There's Observer, there's Abduction, which is that new Mist game. Um, but no, Observer is like this sci-fi, you're like this grizzled veteran who can like go into the minds of, like I think, dead people or at least anybody and just like read their mind and he solves crimes by doing that. I think it's dead people. But anyway, supposedly a really great sort of visual novel sort of story. It's uh, cyberpunk, which is you know basically my favorite genre uh, lately. Um, and the last one is SteamWorld Dig 2. Um, I love Metroidvanias. I love them to death, and I love the first Steam World. I just haven't gotten to two yet, at least somewhat late in the year, and I just haven't gotten around to it yet. So those are kind of four kind of honorable mention ones um, that I had. Cool. What do you got? Uh, for me, I have games I, I did, mostly games that I at least touched, but Yakuza 0 is one I'm finally getting around to this week, mm-hmm. um, and I bought it months ago. Did you play uh, one ever, or did you just not have a chance? No, I, I never played one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played three and enjoyed that. I remember uh, that, the one about the orphanage. Yeah. Uh, but but Yakuza 0 is really good so far. Uh, I'm I've just starting so the fourth chapter, uh, and I'm, I'm really into it and all the things. And Yakuza has this reputation for giving you so many little different things you can do, and it really does. Um, but but nothing that's like crucial, but just that are fun to do, or or if you're interested in it, and all these side stories, and it's just a very robust game, and I'm really enjoying it so far. Just didn't get that far into it. The same can be said for Horizon Zero Dawn, which is immediately striking, and I I have a feeling I'm going to end up loving, but I only just kind of got past the prologue part and went to the into when the world opens up, so I just haven't had as much time to play that. Word, and uh, also. Doki Doki Literature Club oh, yeah. is a game I've started. Oh, I have really? not Yes, I, I have started it. Um it is, you know, it's free, so that's nice. You can always you can just go download it. Uh but it's it's a visual novel that is supposed to go to some really weird places. I'm still in the normal part. <laughs> so for right uh, now, it might as well just be a little dating sim. Yeah. But I am enjoying it. It's well written so far. I'm just I you know, I gotta get to where it starts kinda going off the rails crazy. Right. Um and then lastly for obvious reasons, Breath of the Wild is a game I would have liked to, you know, play and and <laughs> experience. But right. you know, cool. Um, so I have a couple more um, to mention. I'm gonna mention just some of them really quickly here. Obviously, The Surge. I would have really liked to play The Surge. Um, I like, uh, you know, uh, Bloodborne a lot, and I like sci-fi. And Surge is both of those things kind of mixed. Probably not as good as as, as Bloodborne, but nonetheless, a, a game I want to play. Especially it has a new amusement park DLC that makes me really intrigued. Um, <laughs> Pyre and Tacoma, um, these are both uh, also independent games, sort of double-A, I would call them. So Pyre is from the developer of Bastion, and then tr- uh, Transceiver, what was it? Transistor. Transistor, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I never got to play Transistor. I picked it up and didn't get to it. I, actually, I started playing it, and I, it just didn't grab me, and, and I, other things pulled me away. Um, but Bastion is one of the best double-A uh, independent games I've ever played. So it's uh, 
Pyre is high on the list. It's a very unique game. It's got like this sport sporting event concept, but meshed in with kind of like a banner saga, but not as bleak kind of storyline where the decisions you make change who you get to travel with. It looks really interesting. And then Tacoma is the people who did Gone Home. I just didn't get around to playing it yet. It's obviously high on the list. Um, yeah. And then um, let's see. Uh, Get Even, I bought it. I just haven't gotten to play it yet. It's this really cool, like, uh, you lost all your memories and you're going crazy. You got to figure out what happened to you. Kind of supposedly pretty competent game that just snuck up out of nowhere. Obviously, Hellblade Senna was sacrificed. When that game's on a good sale, I want to pick it up um, just because it, it supposedly tackles the idea of mental illness in a very respectful and competent way. Uh, I also love Team Ninja or Ninja Theory a lot anyway. Um, and, um, obviously Knack 2, <laughs> I need to play Knack 2 because I love Knack. It was one of my games <laughs> of the year a couple years back, but that just didn't make the cut this year. There was just too many games to play. Um, and the number one on my list of wish I'd played by far, um, and this is like, makes me, my stomach hurt a little bit, uh, near Automata. I didn't get to play it. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's unfortunate because I just know that that game is an absolute masterpiece. Not only that, but I know that because of the kind of things that I like, um, you know, things like, what was that game, um, not Suda51, but the other guy that made, um, that's like Twin Peaks oh, that you love. Deadly Premonition. Yeah, it's like Deadly Premonition-ish, um, it's, it's, it's got multiple endings, kind of like Zero Escape, but it's completely unique, it's also got, you know, um, Platinum Games combat, although kind of not too hard, so it's like just fun combat, I mean, I, it's everything I love, I just didn't play it yet, so that's my number Fair one. Fair enough. Did you have any more? Uh, no, I mean, I agree with some of yours. Nier Automata is one I would have liked to play. Uh, the Sexy Brutale actually is one I'd also like to play. It was the number one game of the year for Justin McElroy from Polygon. And, uh, you know, he has he, he has very good taste. Yeah, he definitely so. does. Um, um, cool. And then, yeah, no. So All right, cool. So let's move on to the next list. Or not list. <laughs> next <laughs> the category. Next category. That should not uh, well, be a list. We're going to start with a, a fairly positive one. These, or well, continue with, uh, but surprising game of the year. This is the game that uh, you know either we didn't expect much from, or we went in not knowing anything, and it just completely took us away. Um, surprise this one. I mean, start this one. <laughs> uh, I'll start with uh, Madden NFL 18, specifically <laughs> Long Shot. Long Shot. Um, that was on a lot something... of a lot of reviewers' honorable mention list this year. I noticed. No, you know what? It's it's because it did something that it, uh, honestly more game developers I wish had the chance to do. It it took two completely disparate genres and mashed them together to create something interesting. It took a you know football game and mashed together with a Telltale style adventure game, and it worked. You know, this is a game I saw at E3 and was super curious about. You know, Mahershala Ali is in it, and obviously, like a lot of these actors, he was going to be in it for a day's worth of filming. Right. And, you know, he was. He's barely in it, but he is there. Uh, but it he managed to tell... He does. But it managed to tell a very emotionally affecting story about a character who, uh, you know, went off to play college ball then had to kind of give it up, come home, and is trying to get back into it. Did but... he get another chance, but it was a long shot? That was, yeah. Well, the central premise is that he goes to the Combine, which is where like people can come and, and basically try out, yeah. and there is a studio executive there who's starting a show called Long Shot, where they'll get trained by a famous coach and oh, have a chance a idea. to get, uh, or basically to be like a, a national stage to show their training, and then hopefully they'll get recruited. And it becomes, you know, sort of like a big PR thing. That's, uh, a, but really that's, good, like that's a really good narrative um, structure. Yeah, and really it introduces smart. a lot of stuff. 
And what's great about it is it actually works to kind of teach you about football. And I know next to nothing about football. It's not a sport I follow, despite knowing a lot of people who follow it. Um, but it does a good job if you know nothing about football. It teaches you – it stays focused on offensive plays and it lets you kind of learn what all the different terminology is and how scores work and passing and all these plays. Because it, it puts it from the perspective of the main character having never – really had to think about plays in the ways the professionals do. And it shows how much work goes into knowing that and how to work with their team. And it just does a really good job of telling his personal story, his relationship with his best friend. And it does so in a way that shows a very healthy, positive male friendship that's that allows them to, you know, care for and love each other really? as friends. Yeah. Because when I when I saw the, the, like the first 30 minutes of that game, it looked like that friend was going to be like the devil on your shoulder who fucks shit up for you. No, if anything, he cares more about your future than you do. Oh, wow. And he's there for you, and he cares about That's you. That's really you know, rare. He, he loves you like a brother, and yeah, that is rare. You never, like, because there's such an unfortunate, like, uh, dudes have to be super masculine and they can't show emotion, and this does it in football, which is in like one of the... football game, right, which yeah. is bought by some awesome people, and, 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 well, I'm not saying bros aren't awesome sometimes, but some, some bro-y dudes, you know, buy football games, right? Yeah, so that it engages with the emotional side of this story is surprising, and it's surprisingly effective. I mean, it's nominated for, I think, a Writers Guild of America Award wow. for Best Writing in Games, so it, it definitely did its job, and it tells a good story. So it's it's worth checking out. I mean, maybe not buy the game at full retail, but I red-boxed it. Yeah. I played through. It's a good three to four or five hours of story, and I had a blast with it. So it really took me by surprise. That was my most surprising game. You also said that. You also said that it... Um, it like you said, it, it teaches you football. Like it has like a little passing drill, and then a little like teaches you how to like actually understand plays on the field, like as parts of the story, right? Yeah, and then it kind of there there is a mode, and I didn't get to this where it kind of transitions more. It like continues his story, but it turns it more into a franchise mode. But it keeps kind of tutorializing to you to let you learn a little better, and it has all your standard tutorials as well. Um, so it it does a lot of work to make it if you've never played a football game. You could learn about football games. That's cool. That is really yeah. cool. Awesome. All righty. Well, my pick uh, for most surprising, um, this was tough. Uh, I, I wasn't like, oh, my God, I'm so freaking surprised I can't believe it uh, about much this year. There is one um, that I might have picked for this had it not gone into a different category where I, where I don't want to give that away. Um, no, I think this is still the one I would pick. Um, Resident Evil 7. Um, okay. So Resident Evil 7 was weird. Uh, it was announced very late in development. Um, it came after 6, which was, in a lot of ways, it was a game that I loved, but it was a game that in a lot of ways had a lot of flaws and that pretty much everybody else hated. Um, I know you had a revisit of that game this year and, and hated that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, Resident Evil 7 was a chance for them to sort of go back to their roots, and they made some big changes. Um, one of those, the most sweeping of which, was first-person perspective. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know that people were expecting this to work, um, you know, with the, the, the Mortal Kombat combat that sort of started with RE4, um, which is, you know, one of my three favorite games of all time. Um, and also, uh, this idea of the Baker family, this idea that at least at first, ostensibly, nobody in it is a recognizable Resident Evil character. Wesker's not, like, right there in the forefront. So it really totally, dramatically fundamentally seemed to be changing what we knew Resident Evil games to be. Um, it also added in this VR mode, which I'm sure is amazing, and one day when I get to play it, I will be thrilled about it. Um, but when I started playing it, 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 it feels like Resident Evil 4 through 6. It plays really solid. 
Um, it's got an excellent gripping story. It is way more survival horror, but it's still the stuff that you love about the more recent Resident Evil games. Um, it really did an amazing balancing act, and it rejuvenated a genre, not, not even a genre, but a, a franchise that was dying. Uh, Resident Evil 6 sold a lot of copies, but as far as critical acclaim and, and you know, the, the word on the street about the series, that series was in trouble. Um, it did the Revelations 1 and 2 games, and those were, you know, pretty well liked, but nobody was ready to say, like, oh, it's back from those. This was the game that brought it back. Um, just every moment that I played of that game, and I only got two-thirds of the way through, and I never quite finished it, and I almost, I, I don't know, I have this problem. Sometimes I'll stop right before, like, the last part of a game, just because I almost don't want it to be over. I think this one I just got distracted by Persona 5, maybe, or something like that, and it just totally derailed me from playing it, so I'm gonna have to probably start over at the beginning and play it again, but it had some really interesting boss battles, and, like, that car stuff with, with, uh, the Mr. Baker, and, and, and just, just some really cool twists and surprises in the parts that I played, um, I understand that the final act is, uh, less than, less than ideal, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, goes way more into the, uh, like, shoot 'em up uh, lots of enemies to fight in a game that kind of didn't set up any reason for there to be lots of very samey enemies to fight, um, mm -hmm. but that said, I just, it, as a reinvention of, but also keeping what's great about that game, um, it did a phenomenal job, so I was really surprised and impressed by what Resident Evil 7 did this year. What did you think of that? Resident Evil? 7. Uh, let's just say I'll be talking about it in a little bit. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Um, in that case, let's move to the next one. Alright, well next up we're going to start the biggies, and this is going to be our third favorite game of the year. Okay. Uh, and, uh, Rich, I guess it'll be back on you to start this one. Okay. Um, so, I am a very big fan of Bioshock. Everybody knows this. Anybody who talks to me knows this. Uh, I even like Bioshock 2. Bioshock Infinite, not quite as much, but I still love it because it's Bioshock. Um, the games like this um, where you are going around, and uh, another example of a game I love in the genre is Deus Ex, um, and uh, going around in a world with a really deep RPG mechanics, leveling up a skill tree, making decisions on what skills I'm going to get, letting that decide the way I play the game, big mysteries, wondering, you know, what the world is all about, what are the parameters, what am I even looking at? I love those games. So I was so excited about Prey. And <laughs> Prey is definitely my number three game this year. Um, it almost made number two, but there are just so many great games. So it, it's number three. Um, I had a blast playing this game. I collected every item in it. I rescued everyone you can rescue. I talked to everybody. I picked up everything you can pick up. I leveled up as much as you can level up in a playthrough. Um, I did everything. Uh, I got. I mean, I just love this game. I love selecting abilities and, and, and then using them and seeing how they enhance your play style. And, and there was this glue gun, and you could shoot it against the walls and climb up the walls. And then, like, that would allow you, you to, like, get up to the second level, and then once you go in the second level, you go in those doors, and, oh, maybe there's a level two door that you can hack in there, whereas down on the first level, you would have had to hack a level four door. So now you've gone in through the back way, and you get the little you know, voice logs and audio logs and, and, and documents that are in there that you can read and fill in the lore even more. This game had an interesting pedigree because it's obviously the successor to Prey, the game that came out on the Xbox 360, which I actually loved. Um, I agree. It was a great... You played it too? Yeah, it was... I, I played it when I think GameStop had it for $3 by yeah. the end. 
But you know what? It was super fun. I enjoyed it. Super problematic in terms of the Native American stereotypes in it. I think yes. the main character's name was Tommy Hawk. Um, <laughs> but short of those problems, it was tremendous from a gameplay perspective. And it was this concept of these aliens, and you would go into different worlds, and it would change your perspective on things. So this game is a spiritual successor in that it has nothing to do with that game at all. Um, well, there was a sequel that, that got canceled that looked really sweet, it too. It looked amazing. That game was in the genre that I always rave about. And by the way, I have an article coming up on our site about this show that's coming out this year called Altered Carbon, and holy shit, it's also in this genre, this sort of uh, detective cyberpunk genre. but any, And it stars Joel Kinnaman. But anyway, <laughs> uh, it's Netflix in February. Um, but the uh, that genre that The Fuse is a part of, the Expanse TV show, this is, um, to a lesser extent, Ghost in the Shell, that sort of cyberpunk detective noir mix. So, like, it's set in the future, but it's all about, like, you know, a hard-boiled detective solving a crime, and generally it's about, you know, corruption among the government, um, and things like that. That was what that game was going to be, except that you were a detective, you were a human detective on this alien spaceship, and everyone's an alien but you, at least ostensibly. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have to, like, go around and solve some conspiracy because you're this great detective on this space station that aliens run. It looked amazing. Apparently it wasn't very good. Um, and so the developer finally, after giving them a lot of leeway, finally pulled the plug on it, and uh, it just was dead. And then um, Raphael Colantoni um, and his studio, uh, the same people who make Dishonored, um, decided it was going to be their project. And so they took over Prey, and they really made their entire own game. It, it really is much more like a Bioshock Deus Ex successor um, than it is uh, an actual Prey game in terms of that original, but they own the IP, they like the name of it, and they decided to roll with it. And actually it probably hurt them in the long run if they had re, re uh, sort of identified it and made it its own thing. I think it might have done better because nobody kind of knew what it was and it didn't do that well sales-wise, unfortunately, because it's a brilliant game. And it's popped up on a couple critics' best of lists. Um, I just... And now another thing about the game, too, it has a phenomenal, or it, depending on how you feel about it, not phenomenal ending. Um, I really like the ending. I thought it pulled off have your cake and eat it, too. So, you know, when whenever you're talking about... So, uh, there's this great moment, and I won't spoil it, but about an hour of the way into the game... You're in your own apartment. I'm sure you, you, you played it, right, Jordan? Yeah, yeah. So I know what you, yeah. There's this scene in your apartment where um, the world as you know it um, changes, um, and it totally blasts your worldview, and it lets you know right from the beginning of this game that things are not what you think they are. Um, so you kind of are expecting that throughout, and you go along on this quest, and you know you run into different characters on the space station, um, and you can even go outside into space and fly around with your little space suit and collect shit and get more audio logs and find out what this ship is, what experiments were going on. It also plays with the idea of memory and amnesia, which a lot of these do. It's a, it does it to great effect in this game. But at the end of the day, whenever you're talking about amnesia and like what really happened and getting your memories back and finding out like the conspiracy, it's very hard to stick the landing on games like that. And also to give you something that doesn't discount or disqualify everything you went through. The reason Bioshock is so brilliant is because once you find out the secret, especially a certain phrase, you can go back and play the game again and it's like, wow, this was peppered in throughout from the beginning. And this game really does it well as well in a different a slightly different way um and you know when you understand kind of the nature of this future universe and what's really going on um it's just really cool so a lot of people didn't love the ending i really did and that makes it my number three game 
That's great. Um, what I enjoyed think? Prey yeah. a lot because <laughs> um, I played a good bit of it. I didn't. I didn't finish it. Honestly, I I went in with zero expectations. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it it helps because I I just felt like it lost a lot of steam towards the middle. Um, mm-hmm. once the enemies started getting more abusive and yeah, but that's also to... when you start getting the Typhon powers. That's true. And so they, they they really open up your 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 arsenal. So yes, the story slows down a bit, the world opens up a bit at the same time, and then you get a lot more powers. So you have to really enjoy the gameplay and the story because one or the other won't cut it. Yeah, no, but I enjoyed exploring. I just felt like it didn't do I don't know enough to distinguish different areas, or, or they didn't. You know, I, I think there are. A, it, it definitely comes closer than a lot of games. I'll say that to to capturing the magic of the first Bioshock because that was a very delicate thing. Oh yeah, it's a very hard thing to recreate. It was a passion project by far. It was of its time. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think Bioshock's eleven years old now, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it does come close. I just feel like. I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it, but it, it didn't blow me away. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know what I'd think about the ending. I, I would like to go back to it. I just haven't yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool, man. Uh, what's your number three? All right. Well, uh, what would what would game of the year be without a bit of a surprise? Awesome. Uh, Been waiting. I'll say this. Uh, my list was in flux for a lot of the past like two months because i played a lot which i always do mm-hmm. the end of the year is is sales happen uh, black friday happens. yeah the the you know all the end of the year deals and you know now consoles actually compete with steam and give really good dis- discounts oh, on, on games that. i love that but so i played a lot and you know even as recently as this past week i was playing games and you know, trying to be like, and I always try, I try to fight recency bias. I don't want a game to be on there just because it's the game I played the most recent. Um, but that said, I played a game this past week and I, I couldn't put it down. Um, I was playing it while I was traveling. I played it all, all the time when I was home and, you know, I finished it, but I've still got so far to go because there's so much content in it and I'm still having so much fun playing it. Uh, and I couldn't have played it before a week ago because I didn't have the system to play it on. Uh, my oh. number three game of the year is Super Mario Odyssey. Oh, no! No! <laughs> what is happening? What is what? happening to me? What did, is it? When did you get a Switch? I got a Switch right after MAGFest, uh, which is Music and Gaming Festival. For for those who don't know that, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know. Um, but... I you know I saved up a lot of money for the trip and then Magfest itself they're just I didn't get a lot I didn't spend a lot we was very frugal and then I oh, um man. I got oh, it I got an I got an end of the year bonus from a website I write for and I was just like you know what let let's do it because if I I was like if I don't do it now because I do so much where I I I try to put all my extra money into comic projects and you know personal stuff and I was like if I don't do it now when I have this money that I was already planning to spend. I'm just not going to do it for at least another year. So I said, F it, and I went and bought a Switch. Oh, my God. What color? Oh, of course, gray. Yeah, I got the gray. I figured. You, you would hate the asymmetry of it. Yes, that, that would bother me to no end. Uh, but I got Super Mario Odyssey as uh, the, the game I, I got with the system, and it is um, it, it's it's brilliant. I know you were talking about and kind of having a hard time getting into it last time. Mm-hmm. But I I just went all in. I was playing it, and I don't know. I was a huge fan of 64 and Sunshine, and that's not to blast Galaxy, 
um, or either of the Galaxy games, because I do like them, but I, I like the open world structure a lot. I like just kind of exploring, and I think it does a great job of just making it so that every inch of those worlds, that if there is a place you can go to, there is a secret there to find or to figure out. And it's not the... I mean, I, I saw some people who, who complained it wasn't super hard. I don't think any Mario game is hard until no. you get to the very end of it. No, that's when, um, they really when you're doing like the tri- challenges. And time shit and, and chasing the, the little dude who steals your shit and yeah. Yeah, but I I just I loved everything about the game. I love like kind of like you said, seeing Mario in HD is always a treat, and you know it helps that the game's gorgeous. It, it has really great pretty. music. Um, the worlds are you know they hit all of the standards. You got a water world and a desert world and a lava world, but then it has some creative ones like the Metro Kingdom, which is the big city. That's obviously you know the the central one that you see if you if you've seen promotional materials for the game. Um, and then it's also got. Uh, cool like a lunch a lunch world where it's like food based and it has a bunch of others um and just playing through it i was never not having fun and not compelled like i kept wanting to go i should put this down i should do something else but be like one more moon one more moon and there's so many moons in that <laughs> game it's like 900 plus right yeah i think it's 999 is the total i don't think you think it i think you probably know yes and i mean you can complete the game with so much less than that oh yeah yeah. I think you can compete it between 100 and 150, um, but it's just so much fun to go do all the challenges. And then new moons unlock when you finish a world, and there's, like, secret puzzles or secret portraits that take you to the other worlds to find, like, obscure moons. And then, um, you know, I, I get – it is the one collectible, but I think it does a good job of making you at least feel like certain ones are special with the way that the like the collection screen will change if it's like a story moon or the triple moon i love watching that and that exact jingle that plays when you get a triple oh, moon wow. is really good wow see this is that game man it really has to hit you just right um and it, and it seems like it hits a lot of people just right yeah i love 3d platformers so that helps a lot and i love just how this one is structured to kind of turn it into a playground again um i like the galaxy games a lot i still want to play new super mario 3d world um because i i also appreciate that you know sort of contained challenge but there's a reason i love banjo kazooie and ukulele and i I like those types of platformers um that's true that is true and that is exactly sort of this is the mario take on that exact formula that is that is a good point yeah, and I, I think it has fun bosses. I think the capture mechanic is a lot of fun and just lets them get away with a lot of small one-off gameplay variations that let you know you know do something completely different, but that's super fun. Um, I enjoyed all the boss fights. I enjoyed just exploring, and it, it's it's a fantastic Mario game. I don't know that it's my favorite Mario ever, uh, or in terms of. You know, I still absolutely loved playing Super Mario 3D Land for the first time through. I, I still remember that super fondly, but this might beat it. It's very close, and I'm still playing, and that's the thing. There's still so much to do. How many moves you got? Uh, I think I'm at 300-something. Okay. Wow, so you're like a third uh, on the moons. Roughly. You finished, I mean, all the, yeah. you finished all the worlds. You beat the game. The quote-unquote well, beat the game. I've beat the game. I have not gone to all the worlds because there are some worlds that don't unlock until you get to certain moon thresholds. Oh, okay. Um. Wow. Which I, I think are supposed to be the extra challenging, because it's like the um, dark and then darker side of the moon. Oh, okay. Cool. So it's – but it's just – it's super fun. It has great music. It, it's 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 every – Nintendo knows how to, when they really want to, make a game that just constantly hammers on the pleasure zone of the brain. What do you think uh, of – what do you think of New Donk City, that whole part? 
Um, you know, honestly, it's not my favorite kingdom. I get why they made such a big deal out of it with like the returning classic characters and all the old references. I, I'm not a big fan of worlds that are like so vertically distinct where you constantly are having to like find ways up. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, it's one world and, uh, you know, they also have water worlds that I don't love. Right. But, you know, I still have fun being there and it, it just does a good job. Um, I also love that it has the little like challenge rooms where there's always two moons and maybe some of the purple coins to find and you have to like both get the regular one and then figure out where the other one is hidden. It just it, it does a lot of good stuff. Maybe once uh, maybe once we both finish it, we should go back and do like a, um, a, a spoiler spoiler episode about it and just talk through like what our favorite moons are and what what parts really worked about it because I'd really love to get more into what it was like what it is that's really making. Um, you love it, and then potentially me love it too. I'll have to see how it goes when I play more of it. Yeah, um, but yeah, I uh, I got a Switch. Super Mario Odyssey was uh, just an immediately amazing game. Awesome, awesome. Did you pick anything else up, or is that like for later? I did pick up Breath of the Wild, so oh, I okay. have started that. Um, and I'm just I, I again I'm I'm withholding judgment because right now like I had an immediate great reaction to just the 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 tone of it when it opened but right now i'm just i'm kind of struggling with it oh okay interesting like it i it's it's a little i know that it's going for it but it feels a little aimless and then it like is a mix of it wants you to go forge your own path but then you get punished if you do that too much um and interesting. then okay uh god forbid anytime one of those those small dungeons make me use the gyroscope controls i want to break the controller off over my knee you must be further in it than you think then how 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 far in are you i'm not that far i just got the quest where it's like go find your first picture memory okay all right i don't remember where that is but okay cool um like i've met i met impa for the second time you're not that you're you're in it you're you're up in it you're about 15 hours no no, I no 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 no. I'm maybe I'm like, you've gone more direct than than I, maybe I did then. Yeah. Yeah. I just I don't know what I'm looking for because I I just I don't know. I'm I'm still I'm still early though. I'm trying to find the magic. I guess. Yeah yeah yeah. Did you go digital so that you could play them both like on the console, or do you swap discs when you need to? I swap cards. Okay. It's not. Yeah. It's not too bad. Cool. Um, um, wow. But yeah. That's a big surprise. I did not think you were going to get a switch this soon. You excited about all the stuff that's been announced now? I'm, yeah, I'm excited about the stuff. There's still games. I, I obviously would like to get to um, Mario and Rabbids oh, yeah. at some point. Oh, yeah. Uh, Splatoon 2. There's a lot. And and hopefully, yeah, they'll announce more stuff soon. Well, also, um, The World Ends With You, Final Mix. Man, am I pumped. Yeah. Because I never played it. So I, I know, I know. There's a long, sordid history of me trying to play it, but I have not <laughs> played it. Um, so, all right, cool. Yeah. What's, uh, what's next? Next up, we're looking at, you know, from a high to a low, we're going to look at Disappointing Game of 2017. Um, okay. My turn to start this one off. Do it. And I gotta, I'll, I'll be up front, both for this and worst, it was a tough one. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't really play that many, really any bad games this year. Yeah. Uh, maybe yeah. it was select, how select I was. Maybe it's or, experience, knowing what stuff is and being better at, at weeding it out. Yeah, maybe it was there wasn't a nice easy Ben Hur movie tie-in game to smack around. Um, and you know, don't get me wrong, I even like searching out bad games to at least experience how bad they are. That's been a lot of my worst game of the years, like um, uh, Walking Dead Survival Instinct. <laughs> right. I picked that one year because right. I played it for whatever reason. Right. 
Uh, but this year there there weren't any games like that. So and even disappointing. Um, I don't know if it's just you know how wary I am anyway. But there weren't a lot of games I had huge expectations for. Um, but for me, there, the one game where I did, I was super jazzed for it, and then I played it, and it didn't click for me enough. Uh, was Resident Evil Seven, uh, and I hate that. I, I really do because I think it starts so strong. I would say the same about Prey. If I had honestly, if I had had any expectations whatsoever for Prey, it might have taken this spot. Um, but I, I just didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just went into it. Um, but with Resident Evil Seven, the game looked so good and it's so promising, and, and that you know that demo was so evocative and and um, exciting, and then the game starts off that way, but then. I just, for me, I felt like it lost steam the further in I got to the point that I would say the uh, the whole stuff on the freighter is, you know, downright just just almost bad. Uh, I really hate well, I the last part I have, of it. I haven't gotten to the freighter yet, but... Yeah. Uh, the part, I mean, by that point, it, it almost goes tries to go full action game, and it's not built to be a full action game. And, you know, it, I mean, I'm sure you've heard that the enemy variety is there's one enemy and right. then also the family members. Right. So that it just feels like a real drag to finish the game. Um, and, you know, I, I was hoping it would... It, it's hard to maintain horror for that long. You have to give the player a little more power and a little more agency as you go along. Um, but I just... I, I never felt as tense as I did early on. It felt like as you got later, it, it became easier to see where there was going to be more... Stru- how it was more structured mm-hmm. types of scares than, you know, naturally occurring terrors. Yep. Um, the bad guys were a little manipulative, or the, the like, standard fungus monsters were manipulatable. It was easier, easy to manipulate them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it just, I don't know, it fell apart a little at the end. It has such a great opening, though, and I'm not saying it's a bad game. It's just, I was disappointed by the end of it that it, it kind of got to the point where I would have, I don't know, I was just left wanting by it. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because I really did enjoy the first probably two thirds of it. It's just um, I really I don't like really any of the bosses outside of maybe the first fight against the father. Um, but yeah, it's just it was it was unfortunate. Cool. Yeah. Well, how about you? What what disappointed you this year? Okay. Um. So I had the same situation that you had where I didn't have much. So I didn't have like a zero escape, uh, zero time dilemma, whatever it's called, <laughs> um, to, to, to be like devastated by. Um, it still hurts me. Like I'm still in pain about it. I'm still in pain about um, that character uh, who, who, the, who the android was based on. What's her name in the, in the third game? Oh, I don't remember yeah, her name yeah, but, off the but top her, of my head. Her, like, having a kid and becoming, like, this, like, teen mom drama. And, oh, my God, I just hate that game. I, I wish I didn't. But it's, like, <laughs> it, like, still, it's still burned into my skull for just taking that franchise in directions I didn't want it to go in. I get it. It's his game. He can do what he wants. Ooh, I, I don't still, like I still wonder how well it would play back-to-back. It's, it's, that still sticks with me. You think it might be better if it was one I than think, the other? I think... I think it is a natural progression. Like, after the fact, reading some of the stuff that happened and the specifics of, of Zero Escape, or of um, Virtue's Last Reward again, it's like, it is a natural progression. It just, it it was such a long period between games. Yeah, yeah, so it's really hard to, to, to stay on, on, on the, in the in the mindset you need to be in to really dig that game. Um, yeah, yeah, anyway. Because I was anyway. disappointed by it, too. I think yeah. it was my disappointing last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, but except not as much. I remember. 
Okay, yeah. so in this year, I, I picked a game that I haven't played um, because I don't need to play it um, to know that it's very disappointing. And I will play it, so it's, it's you know, I will definitely play it at some point, maybe, knowing me. Um, and that's Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, there... You know, I was going to call BS, but if there's any game that you could do that with, yeah, fair enough. That is a – I can – I can say simply based on the fact that I have seen cutscenes, I have heard every single person that's played it tell me that it is incredibly disappointing. Um, every developer that's pretty much worked on it says it was so rushed we couldn't make a good game. Um, they've decided as a result of it to cut off all single-player DLC and no longer um, have Mass Effect games probably for at least five years. So if there's a game that had tremendous potential and disappointed fans everywhere, it didn't disappoint me yet, <laughs> but I think if I want to talk about the most disappointing game of the year, it, holistically, it'd have to be Mass Effect Andromeda. Now, you're right. It is BS for me to say that I was personal. No, I was personally disappointed, though. When I found <laughs> out, when I found out that this game was as bad as it is, and that they have these dead eyes, and that the characters talk the way they do in these just terrible dialogue, and, and, and for a game series that's all about loving the characters and, and, and get bonding with them, and that, like, only a couple of the races from Mass Effect are included in it, I mean, everything about it is disappointing. You, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, everything about that game is a freaking disappointment, and and it's just sad. It really is. I was hoping that was going to be the game that I was going to hear was so good that it was going to make me finally finish three. <laughs> <laughs> but god damn it, after I finish three, there is no good Mass Effect left to play, um, and it's unfortunate. I mean, that series is, for all intents and purposes, put out to pasture for a long time, and Anthem is in trouble too. Um, you know, Anthem supposedly was built very heavily around microtransactions. We're hearing, um, and being that that's the case, and EA got so burned by Battlefront, they don't know what they're going to do. So I've heard that in, it's coming out that Anthem is in trouble. Um, Bioware is a developer lost at this point. Um, you know. Dragon Age Inquisition was a great game, apparently. I played a little of it. It's it's vast and, and, and complex. But, you know, it's being outdone by other games, like The Witcher, um, you, you had told me, and, and other people have. And, um, you know, it's just they don't have the gold standard of anything anymore. Bioware doesn't. Not story, not anything. Um, and so that's disappointing, too. Um, so I'd say, yeah. I'd say just in general, um, by what happened this year with Mass Effect Andromeda is going to be my most disappointing uh, situation. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be bullshit almost if I'd picked almost any other game. Um, but that is, it, it, it's just so disappointing. It's just so sad. So, Fair and when enough. the developers themselves say like, "Yeah, dude, we dropped the ball hard." I mean, what else is there left to say? No, yeah, that's all it takes. <laughs> yeah. Um, alrighty, so what's next? Where are we going from here? Next up is our favorite character right. of 2017. Getting right. a little more specific, and this one will be back to you to start. Okay, so I'm going to uh, talk about this um, a bit briefly, um, but I do want to uh, mention uh, this character. Uh, my favorite character of the year is Aloy. Um, I uh, finished Horizon, Um Aloy is – so creating a plucky, um, fully realized, uh, empowered 
female character that doesn't feel like it's pandering but rather just wanted to create a great character in an archetype that isn't always handled the best um they killed it um her character is vulnerable the voice acting is impeccable um the journey that she goes on develops her character in such a way that it's con there's constant revelations and her reaction to it is phenomenal um she really just evolves throughout in i mean you know when you look at as writers jordan you and i you know when you look at at story and you study story and and and, and you know the the hero's journey and the way that the character is supposed to you know if your character doesn't grow throughout the story it, you know some people would say that's not a story at all at least not a successful one there's not some a to b um and this whole game is designed around external situations that in and of themselves are, are are important but what's most important is the impact they have on her and and how it alters her as a character um in in just a really good way so the way she is on her own in a vacuum and then also the way she fits into that game and the way that that game works with her makes her my favorite character by far and she's just badass um she's just this fiery redhead um who never she 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 was an outcast from the beginning she was never handed anything and she just takes power um and never asks for it and never tries to claim it but just just deserves it and earns it over and over again and never whines um she's weak she's vulnerable at times but she doesn't whine and she doesn't complain and she doesn't i don't know she's just a fantastic character but yet very human so aloy is my pick uh, uh with a bullet Aloy is one – God, I wish – I wish uh, – it's one of those games, right? That's why I wish I'd played more of it. Yeah. Um, and there were so many games like that where I was looking through the list of games. I was like, man, maybe this character could have taken the spot if I'd played more of it. Right. Um, Another Goro thing, Nier Automata might have had characters like that. Yeah. Um, Goro Majima, I ju he's, he first gets introduced as a playable character in Yakuza 0 in the third chapter, and he has one of the most – immediately memorable and striking introductions and and even just after that throughout that chapter is fascinating in how he handles situations i'm like man you probably could have been the character of the year yeah. if i'd spent more time um but that's not to disparage any of the characters uh that i did consider because i i had a lot of of strong contenders for this um and so i'm gonna give some love to yusuke kitagawa from persona 5 all right um, all right i I like this cast a lot, um, and when it comes to Persona 5, it almost always comes with the not as much as Persona 4. Right. Pretty much everyone's but, caveat about that story, except for a couple critics. There are a couple um, critics who say it has the more the stronger story, but it's pretty pretty uh, unpopular opinion generally. Yeah, and in fairness, I, Persona 5 does a lot right in terms of evolving the gameplay. Um, but like in terms of the characters, I did like the cast a lot. I, I think it does a good job of developing um, all of them across the game, even the ones that show up later in the plot. Uh, but Yusuke is one of the earlier uh, team members you get. He's an artist. Uh, his whole thing is dealing with his own struggle to create art and what it means to be an artist and why you should create art, which resonates <laughs> a little bit, maybe, with, with myself, unsurprisingly. Wait, um, and Yusuke? He's just... Yusuke, is he the painter? Yeah, he's the painter. Oh, wow, that's your pick? Yeah, who'd you think I was saying? I thought you were talking about the guy that everybody hates, the, the your, your your partner in crime. Oh, Ryuji? Oh, is that who that is? Man, it's been a while since I've played it. I really thought his name Ryuji's, was... Ryuji's, <laughs> Ryuji's the blonde guy. The guy that everybody's like, I hate Ryuji, he should die? 
I guess yeah, I haven't heard. It was, that. it was all over Kotaku. Kirk Hamilton and Schreier were all like uh, Ryuji, death to Ryuji and shit. He's terrible. He's horrible. He does something later in the game that's so fucking stupid and terrible. I don't know what it is. I haven't gotten that far, but I don't remember anything. Okay. Um, anyway. But yet, I liked I liked Ryuji. All right, um, he yeah, wasn't I, my favorite. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, I, at, but... least, at least two thirds into the game, my favorite was Makoto. I think that's her name, the one with the sister who's a cop. I like Makoto a lot too. She was she was my other one. I was going back and forth. They're probably my two favorite characters in the cast. Yeah. But I went with Yusuke just because I liked hanging out with him a lot. Okay. I liked doing his his bond. I liked his initial dungeon story, like when you first meet him. Um, his artist I, mentor. Yeah, I, I liked all of the stuff with that. I just I don't know. I clicked with the character and always enjoyed having him in my team. Um, you know, it's hard to talk about his full story and all that because I don't want to spoil it. Uh, but I'll say this: I got some new stickers for my laptop at Magfest. I got a Yusuke sticker on there wow. now because I love that character. Oh, that's crazy. Um, yeah, you're you're in the I'm not in the minority, but that's uh, that's a closet call. Uh, I just I don't know. I never heard anybody talk about Yusuke or single him out. But then again, I also do shy away from stuff about that game because I know I haven't finished it. And actually, as soon as I finish Danganronpa, that's the one I'm going to finish next. So. Yeah, it's on my list to get to. I honestly, the reason I I came back and started playing Yakuza is I have a, a friend on Twitter who who was playing Yakuza Zero and was tweeting all about it, and I was like, all right, I gotta finally get back to this game. Yeah, I have um, Kawami going, so I gotta gotta get back to that one. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Yusuke, I love, I love, I love that character. It's as simple as that. <laughs> cool, nice, nice pick. All right, um, uh, what's next? Uh, well, next is the one we just kind of made up. Uh, we always do this, throw one out, something we want to highlight from the year. Cool. Um, and so, I guess I'll start. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, I'll start off because then you'll start off with yours. So uh, I went with favorite soundtrack of the year um, because I thought it was a really good year for <laughs> gaming music, um, both in terms of orchestral scores and, you know, uh, general background music to you know more specific tracks and written lyrics. Um, I thought there were a lot of great games. Persona Five, of course, Shoji Magoro did fantastic work again as he always does, while also taking the music in a slightly different direction than in the past for that series. Um, but for me, the music of the year, the music that I kept coming back to, like I, I would listen to tracks from this soundtrack while I was walking to and from work off the bus, like, every day for a couple of months. Um, and that is Sonic Mania. Um, yeah. I love the soundtrack in Sonic Mania. It is... I mean, it's a lot of remixes of classics. I mean, the ha half of the music probably is old stuff, but it's a really good old stuff. <laughs> um, but then the new songs they do, they give a lot of the zones um, that didn't have... The zones from Sonic 1 and 2 that didn't have second act songs got second act songs in this game that really do evolve the music and still fit in with the setting. All of the new stages had phenomenal tracks. Um, I love the Mirage Saloon Act 2 song. It's so good. And then the boss fight music is fantastic. The hard-boiled hard heavies theme is phenomenal, and I listen to it a lot because it's just so jamming and it gets me hyped up. Um, Sonic you know, notoriously, even when the games are bad, always has good music. Um, you know, my favorite thing I did at MAGFest was I got to see uh, the composer of Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2 play with his band and play a lot of the songs from that. And that was super awesome. So I've always been a fan of Sonic music. And I think Sonic Mania kept in the proud tradition of making Sonic music awesome. Cool. 
Awesome. Um, so I, I will, uh, this is just off the cuff because I didn't know your subject. I guess in the sure. past we shared subjects early, didn't we? Um, not always. Sometimes okay. we just throw it out. Okay, but anyway, my pick, uh, it's a real easy one. Um, it's Destiny 2. Um, that game uh, has, I mean, and, and really anybody who, who has reviewed it can't help but talk about it. Um, it is a game that uh, went as far as that game has ever gone into having a good single-player campaign that was actually evocative um, and actually made you feel things. And uh, when you lose your power, which happens right at the beginning of the game, in the second level, there's this beautiful... Uh, violin and, and cello medley that plays when you're walking through this destroyed world after Gaul has destroyed everything and taken your light, and you just feel drained playing it. It is gorgeous music. And then there's this sound that plays, and in Destiny 2, you can imagine this is a, you know, an MMO shooter, so, a loot shooter, so you, you know, there's there's music that you hear a lot because you play a lot of that game. So, there mm-hmm. is this theme that, he, that just sort of has, like, multiple parts to it that is in the tower area, and it is, there's this one part of it that lasts about 30 seconds that is just, like, when it comes on, I just feel triumph so often. Um, and when you, like, pick up an awesome weapon and that part kicks in, or you're walking to, like, turn in a quest and get your reward and that part kicks in oh it's just one of the best feelings that game just has i mean just a phenomenal soundtrack and the sad corollary to that is the guy who wrote a lot of it was fired (laughs) right uh before they released it uh some some kind of dispute over how much he was going to be paid and that is just sickening um yeah that that was very unfortunate especially given how long he's been with bungie uh, he's so talented um O'Donnell, right? Is it? Yeah, yeah, I believe O'Donnell. so. Anyway, um, the soundtrack to that game is 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 remarkable. Um, so, um, that would be my pick. And then, uh, my category, um, is uh, one that I don't know if you'll be able to come up with one, but I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> we'll see. Um, it is the game that's probably better than I'm giving it credit for. Um, and that <laughs> is Super Mario Odyssey. <laughs> um, that was that was my pick. Um, that is the game of all games this year. Um, that didn't have a spot on my list, but was hurting my stomach not putting it somewhere. Um, because I know that it's a great game. I know that the controls are probably better than any platformer that's come out in years. Um, it's tight. It's solid. It does so many new unique things. Um, it's got tons and tons and tons of content. It's got cuteness coming out of its ears. I don't love New Donk City. It's a little too fan servicey for my taste. But all in all, the game is like, you know, 105 out of 100 if I were adding up its constituent parts. It's just that so far, and I'm probably only, what, 110 moons in so far it just hasn't grabbed me in that way that mario games sometimes do that could be a lot of things it could be mood it could be maybe this type of game mario 64 historically didn't grab me that much interestingly um so it could just be that this archetype of mario game isn't my favorite we'll see but i do damn well know that it deserved a place on some list this year it just didn't (laughs) have one for me fair enough uh i can give a game for this uh and as i mentioned earlier because this feels like a good place. Breath of the Wild right now for me. I, okay, I'm trying. That works. I really am. I, I just – I don't know what it is about that game that, that right now I'm just – I'm not clicking with. I don't know if there's systems that could be explained better or if there's something I am misinterpreting about it. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm, – I'm still going with it. I'm still early. And you know, I've I'm easily had games that once I, I click with it, and and everything goes right, it it becomes a, a phen- phenomenal experience. So well, that's that's exactly the, well. We're we're kind of mirror images of each other, both being the big big uh, you know tentpole Nintendo games. Um, I will say this: 
one out of every 15 or 20 reviewers i've listened to a lot of podcasts this year uh one out of every 15 to 20 reviewers and i think reiner is the one on game informer he just comes on and everybody gives him shit whenever the subject comes up because he's like yeah i don't love it it's good it's awesome game just didn't click with me and it's like uh, very rare but there's been like two or three critics this year have had that very unpopular opinion um and then i don't I, yeah. the, the, i'm not the saying thing that is, is your opinion because you're early. no i don't want to have that opinion either i obviously i want to i want it to be that game like i want to be like best zelda ever um and you know i didn't even come into this obviously with with the preconceptions of it being like traditional zeldas i knew it wasn't um and i love the art style and how it like feels like sort of like nino cooney like a, a, a studio ghibli game brought to video game life a little watercolory yeah yeah, I love so much about it, and I, I just don't know. I didn't even really – I didn't have expectations for what it was going to be. I feel – you know, it's just right now it feels so sparse. Like there's yeah. not that much to do despite – like the world is huge, yeah. but it doesn't feel like there's a lot filling it. It and takes I don't more know. time. It takes more time. Once you play more of it, that will change is my opinion, knowing what you like. Um, there are things you have to do. So there, you know, obviously the game has four huge dungeons, um, these big me mechanical creatures. I I'm sure you knew that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then the final dungeon. You can do them in any order you want. Um, and then it also has, um, you know, all the shrines. And then every time you finish four shrines, you get a level up. You can either level up your climbing or you can level up your hearts. Um, you should definitely get your climbing up pretty quickly. Um, and there's also climbing gear you need to find. I'd say there's certain stuff in that game that if you wanted to really get your most out of it, I would say it's a good game to go online to one of those 20 things I wish I'd known about Breath of the Wild before I played it. Things. And that's what I, yeah, that's what I'd like to do. I'm, I'm torn because so it. many people were like, no, just go in no, as blind as possible. I don't think so. And, so. But at the same time, I'm just like, maybe if I follow the plot, because I obviously I'm still getting things like I just got where it's like, here's the camera functionality. And yeah, I'm like, all right, is there more stuff I'm going to learn about that's going to enhance my experience? Here's the thing, though. The climbing gear is a phenomenal example. If you just went around Ramshod looking at different stuff, you will never come across almost almost a zero percent chance you'll come across the three matching pieces of climbing gear that give you the climbing speed increase, which is freaking essential. It's not essential, but it's really important to be able to climb faster in this game because you climb constantly and 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 slipping less, and it just makes the whole game more entertaining and breezier. Um, so there's just a couple little items like that that are quality of life improvements that just have a dramatic impact. Plus one. Once you start getting weapons that don't suck, that's a big improvement. So at the early, at the onset of that game, it feels like every weapon sucks and breaks really quickly and doesn't do much damage. But soon, you won't know what to throw away because you'll like everything you have too much. So I, yeah, I I want that problem. Like that was that's been maybe I've just had a run of bad luck because I was like, all yeah. right, I'll I'll trailblaze and I got to a a, a um a shrine where it was like, oh, fight this guy, oh, and then it was yeah. like, oh, this dude. Just destroy that, me. It's that like, is well, bad luck. Should I not trailblaze? You should trailblaze. Just those are the one type of shrine. There's ten of them out of 120 that are uh, level checks. There's only ten that are like that, and that's one of them. You got unlucky. Period. Okay. Period. Well, and, you know, we'll see. I, I'm definitely like it's in my switch right now. I'm gonna play it tonight, and I, I hope that it opens up <laughs> awesome awesome cool well that's good that was an interesting mirror effect we had on that one without any further ado let's crank on forward uh is it number two time it is our number two game of the year you know what? Starting... Uh, I, or what i'm sorry I, i'm gonna have to cut you uh off at the pass and uh and and, and do go first on this one for a very specific okay. reason are you okay All with right. that yeah go for okay. it okay so my number two game of the year is breath of the wild um <laughs> 
and and it is um it really is a phenomenal game and we took a little of the thunder away on me talking you off the ledge on it a little bit but the 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 truth is i can paraglide off that ledge i'll paraglide man do it do it because that paraglider is really fun the truth is this is a game that makes me scared to play any other game right after it that's kind of the highest compliment I can give it. Because when you play that game, and you know how this is, there's little concepts I talk about like groove games and and uh, you know just different things like that. And this is a new concept or another kind of concept, and that is um, you know acclimation, right? Certain mm-hmm. games when you play them, and uh, you you acclimate to the way that that game lets you view the world. And we've all experienced this. Um, one of the ways that happens is you'll be playing a game so much that you'll go out in the world and you'll try to jump on a car, or you you don't try to jump on a car, but you know what I mean. You see a car and you're like, can I jump on it? And jump on that house? Or you go out into the world and you see like a stoplight and it reminds you of like you know some stoplight st- uh, on light off system in a video game just those kind of ways where the game creeps into your real world because you play enough of it well that also has an effect on you when you're playing like breath of the wild and you go play something else and a great example was a podcaster was talking this year about horizon and horizon got pretty unlucky this year because that game came out at the exact same time as breath of the wild breath of the wild everybody and their mother was playing it and their kids (laughs) and unfortunately they're both dramatically different very very successful and awesome open world games but they're very different so if you played breath of the wild for a long time and then you jumped right into horizon the first thing you probably notice is i can't climb this mountain this sucks i can't just climb mountains what the fuck this is annoying (laughs) i'm used to running at a mountain and climbing it why can't i do that or i have so much more options it's so much more open in breath of the wild because they're dramatically drastically different experiences breath of the wild stop me from playing horizon next because i heard that and that guy was right on with that i i didn't play horizon for many many months and the very and it was a very good thing i didn't because breath of the wild changes the way that you see video games it's that groundbreaking now when i played it at first the hype was so real you know I, everybody was like oh my god it's the best game ever made it's the best zelda ever made i can't believe i'm saying it but it's the best zelda ever and all this stuff it is the best zelda ever in a new reinvention of the series it is not the best zelda e zelda ever though and that would be my best way to put it don't go into this game expecting it to be the best version of the zelda that you like it isn't that game um it is a reinvention of the zelda concept similar to the way super mario 64 was a reinvention of mario um it's 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 yes he goes he has a sword and a shield and yes he explores dungeons kind of but short and yes there's a princess zelda but really short of that everything's different the abilities that you have are barely recognizable compared to like a hook shot that gets you across stuff um there's none of that gating that metroidvania type zelda e stuff where you need this ability to do this thing um there's no like sort of straightforward progression system it's much more sort of varied and spread out but the truth is when you play it it's just a ton of fun and as you start setting goals for yourself like i want to collect this gear and yeah you sometimes in my opinion have to go to a fac and find out where those items are and then go look for them and then after that maybe you'll go do some exploring and not look at any guides for a while but it's such a big world that i found that sometimes i needed to tether myself to the ground and find out the cool shit other people were doing so i could go and seek some of that out just to wet my whistle on fun um and when you do that you find some really great things so just let it i would say the best way to play the game would be to spend a little time with the top 20 things that i wish i'd known first 
go do a couple of those things and then maybe do some exploring once you're a little better geared but the combat is so fun and and taking out the bokoblins and shooting arrows is so fun and 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 the fact that the majority of the game isn't very difficult but then there are parts that are very challenging and the challenge will sneak up on you the fact that there's these big dragons coming out of the ground and you can shoot scales off their back it's just this dramatic drastically large world and i mean to not to not pick it as game of the year for me this year almost feels like a disservice except for me it wasn't my favorite game of the year um, but that said, it's, I mean, it is a masterpiece of form. It changes gaming forever. It will be infinitely copied. Um, it had two DLCs that are both really excellent. Um, it, it's just, it's just, a it, it, it's, it, you know, it's a, it's a force of nature, that game. And, you know, it, it, it really deserves the credit it has. And also Nintendo, man, the systems in that game, the complexity of that game, the, the, the creativity that went into creating it. I mean, it's it's just it's a marvel. It, it it really is, and I and I think when you play it more, um, you'll you'll like it more. Uh, I certainly did. I'm I'm hoping. I hope so. Awesome. <clears throat> cool, man. What do you got? Sorry to uh, pull your spot. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, for me, the uh, this this one was a game that pretty much immediately cemented a place on my list as soon as I played it. Uh, and that didn't change. Uh, so I was like, no, this game was Sonic Forces. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Lord, go ahead. This game was, you know, I am someone who loves the old Sonic games from childhood. Uh-huh. Um, but I never, I, I, you know, when it made the jump to 3D, I jumped with it. And I, I could still go back and play Sonic 1, 2, and 3. But it was, it, they, they, they felt a little old. They mm-hmm. felt like they, they lost something. And so even when, you know, Sonic 4 came out, I enjoyed it. Sonic, uh... All the Sonic Advance games, all the Sonic DS games, you know, they were all 2D Sonic and they were really good. But, you know, I never thought of it as like the main way Sonic should be, which obviously a lot of fans still do. Right. Um, But Sonic Mania really is the hype is real with that one. That's my number two game of the year. Uh, it, It if not, you know, the most original Sonic 2D game. It is probably the best Sonic 2D game. Like the mechanics are as tight and polished as ever, and it's very easy to see that when you you know then play Sonic 2 or Sonic CD, which I did right after playing Sonic Mania because I completed Sonic Mania. I beat it with every character, and I got all the Chaos Emeralds, and I saw the true ending, and I beat all of the um, Blue Sphere mini games and got perfect gold on every single one of those. I did everything that could be done in that game just because. I didn't want to stop playing it, um, even beyond achievements, because you don't have to finish the game with everybody. I just wanted to because I wanted to keep playing it. And then once I was out, I still wanted to play Sonic. And it's just a, it perfectly captures the feeling of Sonic from back when I was a kid and playing it on the Genesis in a way that, you know, the games themselves haven't aged with. This does. It captures it. It makes everything crisper and looks better. It evolves the stages that it revisits while also introducing some new stages that are really fun. It gives, you know, a constant flow. Every level has a boss fight, which is is a lot of great boss fights throughout that game. Yeah. Like every act. How many? Oh, Oh, okay. Okay. Well, like, so Act 1 is the first level, then Act 2 of the zone is the second level. They all end in a boss fight. Um, And so there's, I think, 28 boss fights, maybe, throughout the whole game. Wow, that's big. That's a big game. It's only, like, 15 bucks, too, right? Uh, I think it's 20. I think it is 20. Still, that's a big Um, 
But yeah, it is, you know, it's every bit the passion project, uh, you know, that developers who I think he originally, uh, I want to say James Whitehead. Yeah. Uh, he worked on iOS stuff. Yeah. He worked on the iOS ports and then he just approached Sega and was like, "Uh, what if, uh, you know, I made a 2d one and you know, he got, don't hate. Yeah. He got a team together. They okayed it. They, they worked on it and Sonic Mania came out of it, and it is so much more than just, you know, it could have just been a, a pure fan service game, um, but it evolves things. It makes it modern. It makes it that Sonic, as a 2D franchise, can stand alongside all the other great 2D games that are coming out nowadays. Um, I, you know, I, I was not as hyped for this going into the game as I might have been for a new 3D Sonic game, but... Once I played it, it proved how good it was and how good 2D Sonic, you know, how good you remember 2D Sonic being. And I think it would be great for anyone who's never played a a 2D Sonic game to see why people love it so much. That's the thing that's really amazing is that concept, right, of it's as good, it, it it plays as good as you remember it playing, not as good as it actually played. And that is a really interesting concept in gaming that, you know, it's very hard to recapture the magic of nostalgia because if you were to go back and, like you said, play one, two, or three, they're still good games, but you have been changed as a gamer at this point. And so there are things that you expect and things that make gaming so much better. And if those things aren't implemented, at least to some extent, it's just going to pale in comparison. And so even the best stuff can age poorly for that reason. And so if this guy was really able, I haven't played it yet, but if he was really able to pull off that miracle of basically taking a game and making it that exact style of game, but for our current times, that's just an accomplishment. It really is. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason the game got reviewed as well as it did, and and I I stand with that. I it's it's a it's a masterpiece of a Sonic game. I'm and sure my number two more. game of the year. I'm sure there'll be more. Here's I hope, hoping. I hope they let them do more. I mean, if they don't, they'd be crazy because um, what is it? Uh, Forces didn't do nearly as well. No, it did not. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, although you did hundred percent that as well, so. I I yeah I have a I have a sickness with Sonic. It doesn't matter right. how good or bad it is. Understood. Cool. Um, what's next? Next up is the not 2017 game okay. of the year. Awesome. Who's starting this one? Uh, this one I guess will be on me. Okay. I considered a few things for this because obviously played a lot of games that were not from 2017 this year. You look at the PS4 for example that I got. Mm-hmm. Um. So I had a lot of options there. You had Bloodborne, uh, although I don't think you played a ton of it. I did not play a ton of Bloodborne. Just, you know, it's so similar to, to Dark Souls, yeah, and, and I'm you still kind of... played so kinda, much of that. I played so much of Dark Souls 3. Um, of course, now I'm like, hmm, Dark Souls for Switch. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm like that with Skyrim. The, taking stuff on the go is a really appealing. Or being able to play it lean down on the couch or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, honestly... You know, I considered Kingdom Hearts 2 because I had a really good run with it this summer, just, like, completing it. I considered Final Fantasy 14 because I put, you know, 70 or 80 hours into that as well, um, just to have it. And I had a blast. Like, had I stuck with it, which, it's an MMO, I was almost never going to do that for, for this long. Uh, I It might have it gotten there. But, honestly, the, the not 2017 game for me is the 2016 game for everybody else, Overwatch. Yeah. I had a feeling I, that be, might be the case. It'd be it'd be disingenuous to put anything else. I played Overwatch. You know, I got it right at the new year. Um, I think I got it right before Magfest last year. Uh-huh. And I didn't get into it right away. I played a little bit of it, and then I, I kind of came came and went a little. 
But then right around March or April, I, I started playing it regularly. And, you know, I mean, it's not every day. I don't play Overwatch every day or not even necessarily every week if it's not during an event. But every time I go back to it, it is always fun. What's your They're always... Um... <clears throat> It depends on the class. Uh, Sombra is probably my overall favorite character, um, but I like uh, Roadhog, even though they nerfed him. Uh, I like uh, I like Moira a lot. She's the newest addition. Um, so I mean, I got I think I have pretty good versatility to play a nice. good number of characters. Do you have a pocket healer you play? I just know I don't even really know what that means. I just like to say it. Um, if. If I'm going to play a healer, I, I probably mercy. am going to play Zenyatta. No mercy. No mercy pocket healer, huh? I'm, I am I can do a, a decent mercy, but I, I like Zenyatta better. Okay. Um, Or possibly even Moira now. I just have to play more of her. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Overwatch is it's, – it's super fun. That Like, Blizzard makes good games, um, and they did a good job supporting it this year. I mean, they, they released three new characters this year um, with Arissa, Doomfist, and Moira. Couple new, a uh, couple new maps during the year. Not new to mention, game modes. Not to mention they 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 really ascended the ranks of um, esports this year. Like last year was big, but this year is just like, I mean, I just saw it everywhere. Yeah, it really started to blow up. Overwatch League has officially launched. I think today's the last day of the start of the season. Um, it it's just it constantly gave a new flow of content. They're doing more and more creative things with it. From the sort of uh, PVE event of the um, Uprising event, the uh, Yeti Hunter that was in this year's Winter Wonderland. Just every event has a fun game to play, and they keep doing things where it's like, it's never more than a few, excuse me, it's never more than a few weeks before there's something new to do or experience in that game. And um, it's just super fun. I'll probably keep playing it this year, uh, but I, maybe as much, who knows. Right. Uh, so that would be my not 2017 game. Awesome, cool. Well, that's a that's a solid pick. Um, and mine is one. Mine is one that you alluded to. Um, I can't believe as a gamer that considers myself relatively hardcore. I hate the term gamer, and I even hate hardcore. Somebody who plays a lot of video games. It's long winded as it is. That's the best way to put it. As somebody who plays a lot of video games, it's sad, and I don't know how it happened that I didn't play Kingdom Hearts. Um, I tried it, in fact, multiple times. I had many false starts. The furthest I ever got was, I think, with your copy, I got to um, the jungle with Tarzan. Um, Which is not super far. No, and I never got further. Um, And I tried a lot of different times to do it, and just something about it, it just always stopped me up. Well, I said to myself, when Kingdom Hearts 1.5, and this one's almost not a game of previous years. It is, because it's not new to this year, really. But, uh, in fact, it really doesn't count. But it does, kind of, because this game did, the way I played it, came out this year. On PS4, I was waiting for the release date. It was going to be Kingdom Hearts 1.5 plus 2.5 HD Remix. Finally, they were going to take both 1.5 and 2.5, which came out on the PS3 in HD, and bring them over to the PS4 as one beautiful, glorious collection. Best way you could spend money probably ever. Uh, I think this and the Halo uh, Master Chief Collection are the two top winners for that category. Um, A lot of content. Most bang for your buck, without a doubt. Um, I played through Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, which I always heard such amazing things about. And I loved them both so tremendously much. And if you want proof, just listen to our podcasts. Um, Those months when we were playing those games together, that's all we talked about. We couldn't stop. 
We couldn't stop yeah. talking about them. They are that good. And, you know, for you, it was a revisit. For me, I had never played them, and I just can't believe how good they are. And I can't believe how well they hold up. They are so fun. Going to a new world and exploring it and seeing everything that's in it and finding the new items that are there and learning about the characters and the weapons and the new Keyblade and the killing the Heartless. And the combat's really fun, believe it or not. I mean, just, it is a series that got me to go out and buy uh games for the ds uh so i actually own now 358 over (laughs) two and i own re coded simply because i wanted something to play on my ds on the go when i wasn't playing kingdom hearts at home that's how much i came to absolutely be obsessed with those games they're just fantastic and i'm not going to belabor the point except to say that once i start playing kingdom hearts 2 i barely started it and then other things i had to jump to because i played two games in a row and i needed a break but when i get back to two i have every expectation that it will grab me as much as it grabbed you um and maybe even be my favorite of all um and so i expect that to be a good month and a half of uh, solid kingdom hearts time um but i'd say i played kingdom hearts more than any other game this year with maybe one exception um and uh, i just loved it so that's my pick awesome i'm yeah. glad you finally got into the series uh, Dude, it's a good time it. it's... obviously yes finally i won't have that interminable wait well let's see yeah that's yeah not... yeah yeah the game's not out till it's out that's a really good point that is a... although we've seen a lot of footage so that it is promising it's it's a long a ways so hopefully hopefully they'll you know technically they hadn't set a release date at any point before this so who knows yeah all right we'll see all right so next, we only have a few more to go, uh, but before we get to our honorable mentions and our number one games of the year, we have to look at the very worst of the year. So we're going to talk about our worst games of 2017, and uh, Rich, why don't you start us off? So I had to make an addendum. I'm sorry I'm being a little unconventional, but I had to make an addendum to this because, again, much like you talked about earlier and we both opined I don't have a lot of worst games that I played this year. I just don't. So I made this. It is the best of times. It is the worst of times. And I did that because I didn't have a good place for this in my top list. Um, And I felt like it deserved more than to put it in an honorable mention slot. But I also felt like it deserved way, way less than that. Um, And that is Destiny 2. (laughs) Um, this game at its height, when I first got it and for the month after I was, uh, I got it and played it and joined my uh, clan, um, shout out to cloud niner, um, and, um, uh, lone and, uh, Melissa and the whole crew. Um, it's, uh, it's a, it's a great clan and the highs that I've had playing that game. Um, like the first time that I defeated Callus in his throne room with those guys, it spent we spent six hours. I was up almost all night. I went to work on three hours of sleep, and I never felt better about anything. The only time I maybe felt that high in gaming was uh, when we f- when we finished Oryx in the uh, uh, um, King's Fall raid uh, back in Destiny One. Um, so the highs of this game are the highest I've felt ever playing anything, maybe ever. I mean, Super Mario Brothers 3 back in the day, it may be up there. Finding out, um, you know, would I kindly in Bioshock, maybe. Um, but I don't even know. I think the King's Fall and, and this and this when we finally finished Callus are the best moments I've ever had gaming. I was hooting and hollering at 5.30 a.m. in my house. I've never felt that good playing a game. And it's with a community of people that I bonded with. I mean, it was it was everything that Destiny is promised to be. And then, shortly after, that game combusted. Um, It became very clear that uh, Activision and Bungie learned absolutely nothing from Destiny 1. 
here are the things we were hoping as Destiny fans. Number one, they'd have a content plan that could sustain could sustain players, uh, and wouldn't fizzle out and make it so there's nothing you do. Number two, there'd be tons of gear to earn and activities to do, and we wouldn't get bored. Number three, microtransactions wouldn't take over the game and absolutely tank it. Number four, they'd be honest about respecting players' time, which they always said they would be, and wouldn't do things like what they did with. Um, HP gate, not H XP gate, where they basically uh, were displaying that you were getting more XP than you actually were getting. So your bar would uh, not go up, even though it said on the screen that you were getting a bunch of H XP, and that directly ties into how quickly you earn the Eververse, uh, Eververse uh, globe Engrams, uh, 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 which are what is the um, you know, which is the the pay to win stuff, not pay to win, but the microtransactions based stuff. So they just did some shady stuff this year. Um, they they did eventually come out and own it after the community was so up in arms that people were going to boycott the game. They finally admitted what they did. They're like, you know, I know you guys will never uh, never believe us, but we didn't mean it. That's not what we were trying to do. And blah 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 blah. The optics were just horrendous on this game. And then when everything was at its bleakest, they come out with a paid expansion and put some of the absolute necessary fixes behind. A paywall and made it so that playing the prestige version of the raid which you could do before the expansion came out it got blocked off to non-expansion players so content that you had at, you know from the game before the expansion came out got blocked off so you couldn't even play it because you couldn't level high enough then they then they also made it so that faction rallies and um what are they called faction rallies and um there's one other thing that's that's uh, oh Iron Banner. These two like timed events they come once a month. Um, after the expansion came out in season two hit, they became kind of blocked off. Any of the cool content in those other players that don't didn't buy the expansion can't use them. Mm -hmm. So they basically cut off people from all this content, infuriating the community. Now of course I was going to buy the expansion. I play a ton of that game, but it made such such negative PR waves that everybody just got so angry at Destiny. That game is actually fell off right when the expansion was out it wasn't in the top 10 for twitch streaming and that is a game that traditionally was at the very top of the twitch boards it's just a game that learned no lessons and has made every mistake so now all they now they're on an apology tour for months there's just been this week at bungie we're so sorry we fucked up here's the roadmap here's what we're going to do in the fall to fix it for you here's what we're going to do in the spring to fix it here's what we're going to do next fall to fix it we're going to finally add private matches oh you mean the same thing we used to have in destiny one oh we're going to finally bring back more vault space oh you mean which we had in destiny one? Oh, we're gonna bring back more content oh you wish we had in destiny one so basically they they did the ultimate mistake and they just don't learn any lessons and then they make new mistakes i'm um, sorry to be on a rant here but another another example is world of warcraft there is a damn good reason world of warcraft did not come out with world of warcraft 2 it's because there's no reason to cut off all that great content you created Leave it in the game so people can play it. Put new rewards on it so it gets new for people. And then there would never be these problems. But they took a game that had thousands of hours of content and they cut out all that content, came out with Destiny 2. And not only that, but it's for – they even made one mistake, which is the best of times, worst of times, really comes in in this one thing. For that month and a half, there's a reason why we loved it so much, all of us. And that's because, A, the story was good and it was good. 
um, and the gameplay is as tight as it's ever been. Destiny 2 is the best feeling shooter I've ever played, and it's even better now. So those things are really solid, and the gameplay is great. The story was good, although it still doesn't move things forward in the overall lore, which is what we really want. We want to know who the Traveler is, really, and, and, and what this is really all about, and what, what happened back in the day. We don't want some side stories that are brand new concocted shit when there's old mysteries that haven't been solved. That's just frustrating. But anyway, that aside, it is a compelling narrative with a real big bad, and there is really great gameplay. But in that first month and a half, we were loving it. You could get all the exotics. You could just play public events, and exotics were dropping out of the sky like <laughs> apples on a tree. You could get all the every weapon you wanted. You just trade in your legendary shards after breaking down weapons you don't want, and the gunsmith is just feeding you new weapons. Unfortunately, it was fucked up because they made it for casuals. So if you were a hardcore player of that game, you got every weapon in a month. And then there was nothing left. They just blew it. They blew the economy, and they wrecked their game. And they made it for casuals, and they didn't tune it properly. And the problem is they were betting, and they bet well. Destiny 2 was a tremendously huge seller. It sold more copies by far than Destiny 1 sold in its entire lifespan already. And they did that by making it more casual and more accessible. But unfortunately, it's killing its legs because the game dropped off like crazy. Its concurrent users on Steam is laughable. Another triumph they had, though, they brought it out on Windows, and it supposedly plays great. So they did that really well. And then they made all these other mistakes that just tanked the game. So it is literally one of the best games I played all year. In fact, it could be my number one or two pick in some respects. And on the other hand, it is <clears> one of the worst games for disappointment throughout the year. They just, they tried to appeal to the casual audience and they didn't realize that that's great up front, but your game will not have legs if you don't cater to your hardcore fans. And that is where they dropped the ball. And that is why the game is struggling. They just this past week put out another announcement about the stuff they're quote working on to finally try to fix problems that weren't even existent in the end of destiny one the new problems they've created the game is a mess so anyway that is my best of times worst of times worst of the year uh pick it's a shame um you know bungie created one of the best franchises of all time and even still the magic is kind of there i just is it pop i mean it's a shame to see that they can't make it work consistently because Destiny in general seems like such an up-and-down franchise. <laughs> it always is. You remember, and, and now everybody, of course, has rose-colored glasses, and Destiny 1 was the best thing ever, Jordan. Oh, my God, it was so amazing, and oh, it rewarded our time, and oh, it was so awesome, and all the raids were so great, and oh, oh, this and that. and I mean, everybody just like, Destiny 1, Destiny 1. And it really is true, the grass is always greener, so I get it to a small extent. But they just made every mistake over again and then added new mistakes. I mean, anyway. They, well, that's a they're, shame. They're too big a company to fuck up that badly. <laughs> and Luke Smith, man, my boy, come on, man. Anyway. I mean, they're what? They're three years into Destiny's tenure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this yep, point. That's right. Got seven more years of uh, this fun. Anyway. It is fun. It is really fun. And I really think, I still stand by this, somebody like yourself would love it. Because playing through that campaign and then and then collecting the exotics and then going and playing the harder missions and, and leveling up and getting all that gear is really fun. Um, and if you only want to play it for about a month and a half, man, you would love it. But anyway, I digress. Cool. I mean, it, it'll probably happen at some point. I, I, I hope. And, and when it does, I'll be there to, uh, to, uh, to play it with you and have some fun. Anyway, what do you got? All right. Like I said earlier, you, you know, you said it's the same thing where I'm just like, ah, there weren't – there wasn't a game I hated this year, right? Uh, there were a lot of games that maybe weren't for me, but there wasn't anything that I thought was 
outright awful, except, you know, <laughs> the caveat being, um, you mentioned rose-colored glasses, uh, yes. and I don't have a bigger set of blinders than for Sonic games. Um, so on a technical level, I mean, I can't, I can't deny that I played it a lot and I had fun, but Sonic Forces is probably the worst game I played this year. Wow. Um, wow. It's not, It's like I said in the, the episode where we talked about it, it's not a good game. I wouldn't recommend someone play I it. I remember you saying that. And I have it um, on Switch, and I still haven't turned it on, partly because of that. Like, it, there is fun to be had there. Um, Even for me, or only for hardcores? I mean, maybe. Um, Kelsey played it and had some fun with it, but, you know, was a lot less forgiving of, of a lot of its flaws. And, I mean, it is very flawed. It is a huge step down from Sonic Generations and Sonic Colors and even Sonic Unleashed to a certain degree in terms of how much it dumbs down the levels. And and arguably, maybe they were just like, maybe this is about speedruns and we want it to be about, like, perfecting, but they don't ever say that. It's not like they... they if they say that now, it feels like a rewrite. Um, it's just the levels aren't great. There are 30 levels, not really any of which are, are super memorable um, or that stand out for anything cool that they do. I just played it a lot because I, I got good at its it's bad things um and and i really just wanted to keep playing it because i i enjoy being in that sonic world and graphically it's very pretty um the music is it's not the best sonic soundtrack either which is a shame um but it does have some good hits and you know you hear you hear anything long enough you you grow a certain affinity to it and at this point like i know the lyrics to fist bump at this point and i i can sing it very very, it's certainly... very tactfully and subtly named song um i look it is in the keeping of the proud tradition of sonic theme songs um getting a mid-2000s lead singer from a band to sing their song so you I know you got the lead tradition. singer of hoobastank oh. singing fist bump uh following on the lead singer of bowling for soup lead wow, singer of zebrahead like, isn't this like your jam what I love fist zebrahead. bump I like Zebrahead. They did a good... I forget which... Oh, wow, I'm blanking. These are all, like, bands that don't exist anymore. Um, yeah, but they, they, they're they still alive. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. that it's, it's always um interesting to me, the people they've gotten to do these songs. But, um, I don't know. I played a lot of it, obviously. I 1000 did that game. Right. Um, which involves doing a lot of stuff. Like, I, I beat every level under par. I, you know, I, including the ridiculous boss fights. I got, you know, I think 100,000 rings total. And, and That's a just, lot of rings, dude. It is. Um, it's easier when you, it is possible to get, like, there was one level I could consistently just get 999 rings every single time. So that helped. Okay. Um, but yeah, like, if someone was like, should I play Sonic Forces? I'd just be like, no, probably not. <laughs> play Sonic Mania. Go track down Sonic Colors or Sonic Generations. Sonic Generations is available easily on modern consoles if you want it. Like, either of their streaming services. Or I think on PS4 you can just buy it. Um, actually, I think you just buy it on Xbox One, wait, too. Wait, That's a better where, game. Where can you buy it? Xbox One and what, PS4. What game? Sonic Generations. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying Colors. Shit. No, Colors, oh, if that, trust me, I'd talk about that if it got a non-Wii port, because um, I'd buy it. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, it was it was one of those things where I was like, I don't really want to call it the worst. I really liked it, but I just it is a bad game. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is probably the worst game I played this year, despite the fact that I played it more than a lot of good games. Right, right, right. Um, Understood. That that's very fair. So yeah, that was my worst game. That's of almost best at times, worst at times, like mine. Yeah, it kind of is. Uh, except I'm just in denial. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Um, well, I think that brings us to honorable mention time. It does indeed. All right. Um, so I'll start us off. Uh, I had two big ones, so I'll hit them both um, and probably talk a little bit about them. This episode, because there's only two of us this year, isn't going to be super long. Right. So uh, uh, these are kind of the fourth and fifth slot, though I don't really know which place they would go. Yeah. Uh, the first one is a game that I, you know... It felt wrong putting this in disappointing just because it it is very hard to top, you know, what I consider to be either my first or second favorite game of all time given right. the day, right? right? So like in a way this was like it was inevitably going to be disappointing because I couldn't have imagined it uh overtaking. I mean, uh, and, if and it was a game that, that spit solid gold coins out as you played it, it might not be able to beat number 4, you know. Yeah. Um Persona 5, though, was still really good, um, and it helped. Another reason I didn't name it disappointing is, like, as you know, I didn't come into this year going, yeah, I gotta play it, I gotta play it. You know, I was very much like, I don't know about it. <laughs> well, because of that very fact. Because of the yeah. fact that you were so very, you very were like, I, you were like, you know, unlike some Persona fans, there are some out there that just like Persona 3, they like 4, they're ready for 5. You were very much a, I'm not a Persona fan, I'm a Persona 4 fan. Yeah, because um, I played Persona 3 and didn't love it. Uh, but Persona 5 does capture a lot of what I like about Persona 4. And makes um, a lot of parts better. It does. It improves the combat. Um, it does make the dungeons better on the whole, even if part of me likes the Memento-style dungeon. Mm -hmm. now, that's what I, I liked that Mementos gave that old feel of kind of exploring the map. Um, but, you know... It, it sticks closer to what I liked about Persona 4 in that you're not members of some big organization. You're just a group of kids who decide, oh, we're going to solve a murder mystery or, oh, we're going to change things for the better using these freaky powers we have. Right. So I like that a lot. I like that, you know, it feels more uh, small in terms of small and intimate in terms of the main group. Um, and I like the main group a lot. I like uh, On and um, Yusuke and Ryuji, Ryuji Haru. Makoto. I, I, I like everyone in that cast. I like all the people you can connect with. Um, and it's a blast. Like, a lot of the dungeons are really creative and fun. Um, there was one or two that I wasn't a huge fan of. I don't think the Banker's Dungeon was that great. I don't great. love the Vault. The Vault was annoying and interminable. It never ended. Yeah, that one went on for too long. But I thought it recovered really well after that and had some really great ones, including like the Casino Dungeons, a lot of fun. Um... I I really did enjoy the uh, all the additions to the daily life and the social game aspect of it. Um, I, I enjoyed all of the extended social link stuff. Like a lot of the side characters hit really well for me, and I enjoyed spending time with them. And it was a thing where it was like, oh, who should I hang out with today? I always enjoy that aspect of the game. Oh yeah. What it really comes down to is just Persona 4 was such a revelation and such a masterful game that I connected with every single aspect of. The Persona 5 just, in a lot of ways, felt like an also-ran. I do think the story was not as strong as Persona 4, and, and while I technically haven't finished it, I get the sense it's going to be like 
the um you know if there's any other reveal it's like ah here's the secret god that was manipulating it all which a lot of the shin megami games have that you know so it's not i'm not saying anything specific or or shocking there and that might not be it i hope it's not i hope there's some other twist because i found like the reveals very blatantly set up in this one whereas in persona 4 i thought it was much better at subterfuging you know who the actual culprit was um when when is that big reveal you're talking about so right where i am in the game is um at that part where um i'm doing the quest with the flower girl um how much further do i have to go to get to where you guys left off um probably about one more dungeon i i believe okay after so that. i'm getting there yeah there's not oh there's there's i think i want to say two more dungeons after where you're at okay oh in the whole game Yes, barring, I think there is, like, the last dungeon, I'm pretty sure, is going all the way to the bottom of Mementos. So it, like, opens a a new dungeon, but it's Mementos. Right, Right. and and so, um, where are you in the game? Right Right, before that? (laughs) I'm right about to fight the final boss of the uh, last real palace. I just haven't done it. (laughs) Okay, okay. Um... So I really do like the game a lot. I played it like I'm, I'm, you know, and heck, I played it more consistently than Persona 4. It took me two years to finish Persona 4. Right. Um, this one I went and, you know, part of it was being unemployed for a good chunk of the summer. And I played like 70, 80 hours of it in, in one couple of weeks stretch. Um, it was all I wanted to play, and it's super fun, and it's, like, the UI is gorgeous, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's, like, just a beautifully by the, designed... By the way, this is one of my two, so I'm going to just join in with your conversation. This is one of my two honorable mentions. Okay. Anyway, uh, go ahead. You, uh, well, yeah, no, I was I was about to finish up, but I'll, I'll join in with you. But, yeah, I just, I really did love Persona 5, and if not for, again, um, had I not played Super Mario Odyssey, this, you know, yeah, this probably is my fourth. It probably would have been number three. Mm-hmm. on the list yeah before uh, that happened yeah so so despite the fact that it does not make my top five games of all time list it's still a pretty good game right right well you know i um for me i i, I played four i loved four um i especially liked that that's much more of like a murder mystery game um than this one is um even though the murders are done by throwing people into a tv it's still a murder mystery and it's pretty cool and i love you when you find out the reveal i didn't expect it to be who it was really enjoyed that um this game um i love exploring the world of it um i found it pretty addictive just like you did i get stressed out by these games and i tend to want to like min max and try to get the most out of like all the social links so that kind of maybe i'm ruining the fun on myself but i i don't i don't know i just can't take the anxiety so i tend to play them a little bit more um, min maxi, uh, rather than like what I feel like doing on any given day. Um, but that said, the combat in this game is phenomenal and incredibly fun. I mean, I, I just think, and and the the user interface is one of the both the best looking, most revolutionary user interfaces I've ever used. The graphics are gorgeous and stylized. Um, it's just an evolution in every way of what Persona 4 was. That said, I'm with you that I don't feel as close to these characters as I did, although there are a couple that I just absolutely love, and I can't wait to sort of find out where these stories are leading. And so while I'm a little disappointed to hear that both you and Kelsey were very disappointed, or ostensibly very disappointed by the reveal you got, um, I don't know if time has, has weakened that disappointment um i'm still really gung-ho to continue it and as soon as i finish danganronpa 2 which i'm about to finish i'm in the school now um i will um i will get to that and then i'll uh, i'll give a little you know sort of follow up yeah. i'm sure you will too when you finish it you know it's not a bad reveal it's just you know it's a reveal that 
you probably see coming or have figured out already. Even where I'm at. Yeah, I would think, but I, you know, I, I won't say anymore. But yeah. you know, it's we'll, we'll, you know, when you get there, we'll see. Okay, cool. I look forward to it. Um, my other honorable mention um, was uh, a game that was just super fun, um, and I really am planning to get back to it soon, since all the DLC will be released by probably this time next month, and they'll probably do some kind of like major season pass or whatever. Um, Injustice Two oh, was okay. just neat. Yeah, that game was just super fun. Um, I played it a lot when it came out. Um, the story mode was super great. I'm really invested in the Injustice uh, universe. I love DC um, because they are really good at just being like, okay, here's a concept, and we're going to let a writer go wild with it and just kind of have their own version of the DCU to play in. Um, you have DC Bombshells. They're doing Gotham City Garage now. Elseworld is a proud part of their you know, tradition. Um, and especially if you're not a fan of where the mainline universe is, it gives you alternate options. Uh, and so Injustice started as a game that, you know, was the, like, what if Superman went crazy because the Joker made him kill his wife and unborn child? And so he kills the Joker and then installs a totalitarian... Oh, that, that old chestnut. That old chestnut. Um, but that's Injustice 1, and, and it's set, like, five years after that happened, and the heroes of, like, the main DC universe have to come and help that universe's Batman take Superman down. You know, the story in the game is very bare bones. It's very minimalistic. But then they let writer Tom Taylor write a prequel comic that, I don't know if they planned it or it just did that well, went and covered the full five years over, you know, about, um, what, what 12 volumes worth of comics? Mm-hmm. covering those five years it was um, a huge undertaking and beloved by comics critics and a lot of fans like yourself um and yeah, it's very it it's very interesting <laughs> stuff and it, it's it, it really it sort of just fell into place uh, i don't think that was the initial plan i think somebody probably just pitched it or maybe it was the plan i don't know um yeah, like the, i'm sure the they five years have later a... thing like i wonder if they thought well this is great because it also lets us have a comic tie-in or maybe they just were like this is great because this is what we want to do um, and then the comic came after. I don't know. I wonder what the if it's a chicken or egg there, or if they both like sort of hatched at the same time. The you idea. know, it always comes down to how successful it is, right? Um, and the comic was successful. It had its lulls um, and its dips. In the Bucoletto face. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, you know, <laughs> I like I ragging actually, on that guy. He's a little bit of an underdog. I like his writing in the third year. I haven't read year five yet. I really like to get the whole year at once. And it, <laughs> like by the time Injustice came out, it wasn't even done coming out. Um, in trade yeah like it's yep. been running uh this whole time and now there's injustice too and it's just an ongoing filling in the next uh the the next the post injustice one pre-injustice two era right um but injustice two had a really good story i enjoyed it i enjoyed that it you know committed to the idea of evil superman and was like no it's not like oh he got put in prison and now he's super remorseful he still believes what he did was right and, you know, the, his supporters still believe what he did was right and are trying to free him. And then there's all this other stuff happening. Um, you know, NetherRealm's done a really good job of, of telling narrative in games or in fighting games now um, and doing it really well between Mortal Kombat and this. And uh, Injustice 2 just was, on top of that, super fun to play. Like, all of the characters are distinct. 
Um, it was easy to tell favorites and play a lot of different ones, and they, they've been doing a really good job of supporting it with more DLC throughout the year. They've released a new character basically every month since the game launched, and they're about to release the final DLC character next month, which is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles all as one fighter. Um, wow. They haven't really shown how that works yet, because uh, they haven't done a video, because Enchantress is, I think, just now coming out, but... Uh, and they've had really cool fighters like Hellboy, and the Atom looks really fun. And so now there's going to be nine new fighters to just kind of play around with. Um, and it had a pretty robust. It has a multiverse there. If you just want fighting challenges on a on a daily or weekly basis, there's a lot to do. Um, you know, it's a fighting game, so I did fall off with it because you know you can't. I'm not the sort that's going to just play a fighting game forever and and try to go you pro have with to be it. Be part of a community that was that was playing it a lot and have a bunch of people to play with to, to be able to fuel that. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, but I'm okay with that, and I'm okay with the fact that Injustice 2 was just super fun, uh, and had a good story, and I'm excited to see if they do Injustice 3 where the story goes next. So, uh, that was my other honorable mention. Awesome. Cool. Um, so I have one more as well, um, and mine is one that I feel very conflicted about. Um, and so that is, um, Assassin's Creed Origins. So I was in the mood to play some Assassin's Creed Origins. When I saw this game at E3, it made me feel the way I get excited when certain games are revealed at E3. You know that feeling where it's like, oh my god, this is like the next level of gaming and I can't wait. And it was showing like Assassin's Creed Origins and that new Metro game and a couple other games and just amazing graphics and then also on the Xbox One X and they were just showing, it just, it was, it was, um, Bayek, uh, sliding down the um uh the pyramid and then like they showed some of the uh uh rpg elements when he's like you know killing people and and leveling up and it was a leveling system and there's 50 levels and there's all these skills and i was like oh my god rpg assassin's creed finally this is going to be amazing and uh so i i got it uh it was actually the first time i ever went to best buy and an assassin's creed game of any kind was ever sold out um, so I know the game did very well. It did better than they were expecting, although not as well as you know Assassin's Creed 2 and Revelations and stuff, but um, better than Syndicate, that's for sure. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you what, people's opinions on Assassin's Creed are very varied. I actually saw a thing. I don't remember what it was on, but it was ranking. I think it, it was one of those sites that does like rankings online. They were ranking the Assassin's Creed titles, and I swear to God, non-ironically, the guy said that Assassin's Creed Unity was the best Assassin's Creed because <laughs> of, because of how seamlessly it integrated co-op um, and how uh, beautiful the recreation of France was. Like that is how different people's opinions can be on that series. Um, and then this guy was dead serious. I mean, dead serious. Because a lot of the other ones made sense, and then there was that at number one. I couldn't believe it. Um, i got to send that to you if I ever come across it again, because it, it, it's just like it, it's like you just <laughs> walked into the Twilight Zone, straight up. Um, but anyway, this game is like an 8-5. Um, it's, it's really good, but unfortunately what it gains with the RPG elements and the combat being a lot looser and more open, it also loses certain things. So instead of it being all value add, like Black Flag. Black Flag, when you play that game, it's everything that's good about Assassin's Creed. You lose a little bit of the big cities, but you gain this vast world, these beautiful islands. They still have some big buildings to climb, trees to run through, like Assassin's Creed 3. And then they also have boats and sea combat and all of that awesome shit. So it's almost all value add. The combat got better, but it's still that 
that Batman Arkham, uh, not Arkham City, uh, Batman, uh, yeah, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City combat. It's still like that, that reactionary, you know, somebody hits you, you time it, you, you do a, a counter, and then you attack, and you do it for the next guy and the next guy. Well, this game, the attacking is just basically you swing your sword, and there's a bunch of dudes, and that it hits them, and it's it's very built around building up your power gauge till it gets to max, and then unleashing it like a, a devastating overpower attack, and things like that. And it's got different weapon types, but really at the end of the day, there's only a couple that are really very good and then you know a certain point you get and then another thing about it that was really exciting to me was the fact that you know there's exotic weapons or they're called legendary is the best weapon in this and when you get those legendary weapons they're the only weapons you would ever want to use so unlike in destiny where things are situational in this game there's just weapons that are just the best weapon and once you get it that's that so it isn't really matter that there's all these weapons. There are just strictly better ones. Um, it isn't. It isn't a complex enough system. So it's it's working towards that 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 level of of complexity and depth that they want, but it doesn't quite get there. And and you lose things. So it doesn't have that same tight feeling that the the less open worldy feeling Assassin's Creeds have. It doesn't have that story that. I mean, it has the same kind of story, but it's because it's in Egypt. It's kind of that same problem that far cry primal had where it's like it's cool what you're doing and i get it like cavemen you know hooray but like they don't talk and there's no drama with cavemen so how am i gonna give a fuck you know and and it was a little bit like that with this and they had some intrigue and you know it was egypt and there's cleopatra but aside from cleopatra and then caesar a little later there's no famous people so you lose that aspect of it there really isn't an assassin's guild yet so you lose that aspect of like calling assassins in to kill people it just it took away as much as it added so i think if they go back to their roots a little more and add in these new elements with the old elements they'll have a nine five game again but as it stands it's just an eight eight five but at the same time i played like 80 hours of it and i i unlocked every <laughs> single i unlocked every single node on the map i i'm at like 88 percent of the uh the trophy list on playstation 4 um i've done a lot of the little extra content when the when the expansion comes out i'm gonna get it um i have almost all the gear you can get um so i mean i loved the game it, it, it's kind of the way i felt about resident evil 6 in a lot of ways um, in that it's very flawed and it's got some issues and there's things that it, that it loses in, in getting to the point where it has this much content. But at the same time, I played the shit out of it and I really enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I'd say this game is technically a better game than Resident Evil 6. Um, but it has a lot of problems too. So, I, But it's really fun also, you know. I think I probably would have had more fun if I'd played Syndicate, to be, to be truthful. Uh, I love London and I can't believe I haven't played that one yet. It's like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> so good. So many people slept on that one. I know, I know. Anyway, so my honorable mention um, is, uh, and it's probably my fourth <laughs> on the list of... Uh, of, uh, I mean that 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 if we don't count Destiny anywhere in here, which I'm just not, I'm just extracting it because it's just incomparable to other things. Sure. Um, but I would say this would probably be my, my my number four. It's a very schizophrenic year. Just I think if you're listening to both of us, it's like oh, there's <laughs> played a lot of it, but eh, but it was good, but mm. maybe it, it it but instead it's going on my peripheral list, and this is list uh, list two section B, and yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, it was that kind of year, though. You know, I, I think we said at the beginning, you know, how weird the year seemed in retrospect. And I think as we're talking about it, there's a reason for that. Yeah, yeah, it really, it really um, does. And also just how spread out everything is. Now there's the two different SKUs. So there's the Xbox, well, three for Xbox, the Xbox One, the One S, and the One X. And then for PlayStation, it's the PS4 and then the PS, well, PS4 Slim and then the, the PS uh, Pro. 
Then there's the the Switch. Then there's uh, Windows and all the different iterations of PCs. Then there's mobile. Then there's the 3DS. Then there's the Switch aspect that's portable. Um, so just all the different consoles, the different generations are blending. Um, the different levels of power are switching up. Um, and then also, you know, gaming has become bigger and bigger and bigger in dollars. And it's just it's a recipe for some tumultuous years. VR, you know. Yeah. These are just some of the reasons that might explain why it feels so schizophrenic. No, fair enough. Um, all right. Well, that uh, that's all the honorable mentions. That brings us to the final, the big one, our uh, game of the year. I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that you can go first on this one, only because I just talked for like ten minutes. <laughs> no, like... no, you're fine. You're okay. fine. I'm I'm happy to go first. I was okay. gonna ask. Um, all right. So, <clears throat> what you got? What you got? A lot of preamble. So so I'm gonna build this one up a bit. Hit it. Uh. All right, I played a lot of good games this year and a lot of games that could have been number one over this game, um, potentially. But when I finished playing this game, I I felt so positively about it and still do after thinking about it and reflecting on it and, and the whole experience I've had with, with the whole series that uh, not only was it, you know, a great game. Not only was it the best game I played this year, I legit thought about it and I've thought about it for weeks and 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 I've just been like, you know what? This is very easily it's 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 number 5, but it is in my top 5 favorite games of all time. Um wow. Which, you know, if you wow. if you've kept up in the past uh, cuz I had that list once and and my top 4 is very solid, you know, there's and my, my number five used to be Sonic Colors. This bumped it out because it's, you know, Earth Defense Force 2025, Persona 4, uh, Deadly Premonition, and Virtue's Last Reward. You know, those are the four, the big right, four. Right. Um, this game got there. And, you know, I would have – had you told me, I wouldn't have expected it because it came from a franchise that is good, that has always been good, that is something I've enjoyed and, you know – had a lot of fun with and even been surprised by but it never felt as good as its peers you know it was never something that uh -oh. oh uh oh i'm starting to get a gist uh oh <laughs> uh oh go ahead it was it was never as good as like other games in its genre you know it was fun but it it it, it couldn't compete but this entry uh oh perfected the gameplay um you know Top did a five dude perfected the gameplay did a fantastic job of telling the story and to pulled off perhaps my favorite ga narrative twist in gaming in forever. I applauded with some of the twists at the end of this game. Does, um, it, does it have a V in the title? My favorite game of 2017 is Danganronpa V3. No fucking way! No fucking Number way. one with a bullet, Danganronpa V3 is the best game I played this year. No fucking I... way. <laughs> you dove right in after two. I dove right in after two. I, I finished. So, you know, I, I don't know if we talk about it, but yeah, I played Danganronpa 2. Um, Kelsey got Danganronpa 1 and 2 reloaded. So I, I went through 2. And 2 was great, too. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the twist at the end. But, you know, it was in keeping with the, the series up to that point. Danganronpa V3, um, Killing Harmony, completely just blows everything apart with some phenomenal twists and reveals well, and like great it. gameplay. Um, you know, I don't know. 
I don't know how you'll feel about it. It's it's hard to say. Okay. It's like, you know, I love the end of Lost. You don't. So I don't know if you'd love the end of Danganronpa 3 or not. Okay. I have a feeling um, I'm going to, but go ahead. But I just it, – it tightens the gameplay more than any other ones. The class trials, I don't think there's a dud in the bunch, which you can't say for the first two in terms of the no. mini games. No. Um, it, it improves on the ones that need it improving. Um, I know Kelsey hated Logic Dive. I, did, I didn't mind Logic Dive in Danganronpa 2, um, but Psyche Taxi is a way better in terms of – excuse me, just overall execution for the same, like, concept. Um, it – it has a great cast of characters. It manages to turn anything that, you know, seems weird about it early on into, you know, perfectly building up to the reveal at the end. Uh, it has a, it, it, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's almost ineffable. I, I just, I loved it from beginning to end. I was having a great time with it. I didn't, I, and I'll, I'll be honest, like my, my, <laughs> I, I kind of had the flip reaction of a lot of the critics because a lot of the critics were, Oh, the first case is an all timer. It's fantastic. And then there's like a lull. I really enjoyed the middle cases. I mean, it's it's full of all the same kind of really type of of murder uh, shenanigans that the first two games are. But you know, I went with it. Uh, the first case, I thought I was I was questioning what was happening, but it did a good job earning and justifying everything in the game. And by the end, I was just completely blown away by it. Um, I it's hard to talk about because you can't re I can't really say too much about it because I absolutely don't want to spoil the ending or almost anything about it but it continues in the tradition of you know 16 kids who are in some way the ultimate like the ultimate um child caregiver or the ultimate pianist you know are put into a school and are watched over by nekumaru who's a like a murder bear robot and then this one is joined by the uh oh, what are they called neko cubs or sorry monokuma why did i say nekumaru Monokuma. Okay. Nekomaru is one of the characters in Danganronpa 2. Right. The Monokuma and the Mono Cubs are his, like, helpers in this one. And it's just... I, I, I can't... Words fail. I mean, it's the sort of game where I don't know... You know, you can never re-experience it again, kind of like Virtue's Last Reward. Right. And while I would overall say Virtue's Last... Like, the Zero Escape series is overall a better series, Danganronpa the V3 might have gotten me even more just like wowed by its twist. I mean, you know, again, recency bias on that one's tougher. It's been a while since Virtue's Last Reward, but it's it's a damn good story and um it has a fantastic final case that just blows everything wide open. Um if if uh if you've never played it, you know, you can play the whole Danganronpa series on uh the PlayStation 4 at this point. Um, if you're like me, you'll go the extra mile and watch Danganronpa 3, the animation, which, you know, wraps up the first two games narrative and is phenomenal too, actually. Is it? Is it? The, 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 there's two arcs to it. The despair arc is a little weird because like it starts off Wait, did almost... you watch that before or after V3? Um, uh, sort of concurrent. We haven't quite finished the, uh, future arc of the anime yet. Um, but it, it's not related in any any real way, so it doesn't, like, really matter. Okay. So um, I'm going to ask this question in a very specific way. The new game, it, it is being put forward by the company as a reboot, correct? Or reimagining? Or no, that is not a correct statement. Or what, Or is that? Or you just want to just plead the fifth and just leave it at that? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to even think how they say it. 
It is meant to be a new... It's meant to be a new entry point. But I do think you get more out of it having played the first two, in a way. Good, But not... Not as directly. It's weird. It's impossible to say. But, but yeah. I would say play the first two if you can. So, like, I'm in a perfect spot to jump into three now. Yeah. You jumped ahead of um, me on this series, man. What You just, like, picked up steam. You remember, long, long, long ago, um, I was raving about, uh, what, what, where did I, how, did, how well did I rank the original? What was it, four years ago? Yeah, that would have been about that. Yeah, I was a pretty big fan of it. I think I think the thing I feel about Danganronpa in general, at least up until this point where I'm right near the end of two, is, you know, that same, that, that kind of, like, gaminess that you feel in um, uh, Ace Ventura, not Ace Ventura, wow, we're both Ace Attorney. Ace Attorney, where it's like, oh my god, that is some, like, really whacked clue. And the ending of uh, Danganronpa 1 kind of left me a little bit like, oh wow, so it's just that bleak, huh? You know, I mean, that's not a big spoiler, it's just a bleak ending. Um, and so, I, I don't know, I just kind of felt like... I, I, I don't know, I just felt like sort of blasted over the head and a little bit like, well, I was a little left fieldish after the first one, I've, at the time at least. But I loved, what I loved about them is the is the, the, the class trials. I'm a murder mystery fanatic, and so a game that's about solving murders, yes, please. And the more the games are just about solving the murders, the more I tend to like them. But then I also really appreciate, I'm, I'm of two minds, I also really appreciate when at the end it can bring it all together. And I'm right at the end of two, and I'm right about, I'm right at that part where it's like the reveals of what's been going on the whole time are about to come out and so i'm, I'm really hopeful that they're going to be good are they yeah i i liked the end of two a lot that's what inspired me to want to go ahead and play three um and to watch the anime what did you just drop both... did you just drop the full price online um no it was on sale fortunately when i went to buy it so oh, okay. i think i saved 12 bucks okay um but no i think it was fully worth it um and i will say that Danganronpa 2 was also very good. Again, if it had come out this year, it might have been a contender uh, because just I, I really liked that game on the whole. Um, I think I was talking like the fourth case was really good. The fourth I really case liked, was mind-blowingly good. I really liked the fifth case a lot too. Did you and, really? Yeah, I did. No, um, not, not so much me. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, despite having a very depressing ending, but one of the those games always have a case that has a very depressing ending. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and in fact, like, uh, I love Danganronpa 2 a lot. I liked the, um, actually, one of the Christmas gifts I got from Kelsey was a little keychain of Chiaki from Danganronpa 2. That's on my book bag now. I love Chiaki. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, look, this is a series where, where when I first played the first one and even through the second one, I was like, you know, they're good and they, they, they're fun, but they're not, like, mind-blowing. And I think the third one fixes that and is a phenomenal visual visual novel to boot so that's well, my number one game of the year the only list i saw it on so far was jason schreier's list it's on his top 10 um and he says i this game is batshit crazy and i love every minute of it was kind of the summation i mean it's very specific it's not in any way going to be a crossover hit so you gotta want to play danganronpa v3 to play it yeah yeah, very, very true. Well, I can't wait to play it, and that is a brill- That is another... You said there'd be a couple surprises, and I'd say the Switch surprise, and then especially that one. And when you started talking about none of the games in the series have been, like, the ultimate version of itself, but then finally it was... It, this is the one that does it. I was like, uh-oh. Is he going there? <laughs> Did he already play V3? I saw you tweeted a little while ago about... Um, about I'm playing... I'm at home writing and playing Danganronpa, and I was like, is he still playing too? I wonder. Uh, cause he was playing yeah, that no, a while I, ago. 
like I said, I was I was stu- I'm as stunned as you. But when I really thought about it, I was like, um, you know, again, it's it's the sort of thing where I I could never play it again probably and get the same experience. But but just for that experience, it is like one of my favorite games ever. Is so. the is the um is the overall uh, uh get, like the the trial stuff really fun? Yeah, they do a lot of great new things. Like they have a debate scrum that's a lot of fun, where it's like when the when the class trial is split, you guys you you actually have like a debate against each other and like have to match statements. That's really fun. Cool. Uh, um, you know, everything's the it has a better version of the Hangman's Gambit. Like I said, Psyche Taxi is better than Logic Dive. Yeah, um, I didn't love Logic Dive, but I'm playing it on a on a Vita, and so on Vita, it's so it's going to be a real big jump for me to play on PS4. I can't wait for that jump. <laughs> I can't wait. To not have to play it on the Vita anymore because I mean is... you always can play the third one on the Vita. I guess I guess you could. What is it? Cross play or just or is it cross buy or just cross play? Uh, I don't know if it's cross buy. No, Probably. it's not cross buy. I don't think, but yeah. it is cross play. Yeah, well that's cool at least. Um, um yeah, cool. That's mine. What awesome. about you, Rich? All right, man. Well, I have one that is equally um that I'm equally passionate about. Um, possibly. Um, this game is definitely on my top 10 get list of all of games of all time. Um, I think that it is an absolute marvel um, that this game came out from this studio um, at all. Um, it is a game that almost I've been watching this uh, no clip documentary about the development of this game, and uh, th- those are great by the way. Anybody who's listening, um, uh, Danny Danny. Danny O'Dwyer, I think is his name. He he does he uh, he left uh, Giant Bomb and he started doing these documentaries that are just no bullshit. They're just like talking to developers for an hour and a half about how they fucking made their game, and it's badass. I think it's called No Clip. I never looked into that, but it's like this isn't about clips and quick cuts. This is about how they actually made that fucking game. Um, and they do a really good one about the Final Fantasy fourteen. I know you saw a different one. Um. But he does mm-hmm. a breakdown of that whole process and how it broke and got fixed, also. Um, and uh, and and this one is 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 equally awesome. But basically, um, Enslaved Journey to the West came out. Um, you already know where I'm going now. Yeah. Um, and when Enslaved came out, they were working on this game, and they were like, "Oh fuck, this is the same game that we're working on. Fuck, 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 fuck. We probably can't make this." Um, and then over time, they ended up deciding they absolutely have to make it. And the reason they had to make it was because it, it, they started – so developer is Guerrilla Games. And if you know anything about Guerrilla Games, um, they made Killzone. And then they made a lot of other games too. Here they are. Killzone 2. Killzone 3. Killzone Mercenary. Killzone Shadowfall. That's it. Okay? They don't make anything but Killzone. They're bleak. They're dark. They're future set shooters with like a nazi-esque hellgast they're very very bleak and they're all about shooters and they're completely linear and so as a studio they wanted some diversity in what they were making so about seven years ago they opened it up to their studio in a very democratic way they said everybody can bring ideas in just shoot your ideas in and everybody came up with different ideas and they also said you know it can't be a racing game it can't be a puzzle game because other people make those better but within our core skill set pitch a game and a couple pitches came in the one they chose was the one that eventually became horizon zero dawn horizon zero dawn is a game that and then, and then they made it for about six months, and then they found out about Enslaved, and then they dropped it, and then nobody at the studio could forget about it. They tried to make something else, and then they went back to Horizon. They were like, nope, it's got to be that game. This game 
is a miracle. It really is a miracle. It's they created their own engine to make it because they to bring it to life. They needed their own engine. It was so revolutionary in the way that it works all together. These disparate parts that come together. And if you watch that documentary, you'll see why that is. Um, and it really explains game development and the whole idea of like what you're seeing in front of your character is all that the computer has to process. What's to the left and to the right, they don't have to process, so they don't do it. But then they also have to know kind of what players do habit-wise because they have to predict what draw what stuff the computer needs to draw in, so that when you turn left or go left. It can start having the birds chirping for that new area that you're in. So if you just think about these kind of concepts, open world games are dramatically, monumentally, exponentially more complicated than a linear game. And when developers switch to the open world games like Metal Gear Solid going from 4 to 5 or um, you know, uh, Assassin's Creed going from Syndicate to Origins, um, and Syndicate is kind of open world, but not as much so as Origins is, where you can just run anywhere and do anything pretty much any time. Um, there's just a lot of very mechanical, technical things that have to happen, and this game beat out all of those complications, challenged all of those paradigms, and made this brand new engine called the Decima Engine, which is so fucking good at what it does that Kojima is using it for Death Stranding. That is how good it is. Um, so this game looks phenomenal. But more important than that, the story... I've, I heard somebody say this, and I'm sorry to bite it, but I can't say it better, so I have to just say it the way they said it. They created a world that is completely batshit crazy about a post-apocalypse where everybody on the Earth died, and then um, there's dinosaur, mechanical dinosaurs roaming the Earth, and this girl looking to try to discover her identity, while there's all these ethnically diverse tribes warring for supremacy. And they make that world, and then, by the end of the game, explain exactly how that would have come about and made it completely realistic, convincing, true, awesome. I mean, they, they just they – they, they explain exactly how it happened in a way that never happens in these games. You never get to the end of the game and you're like, oh my god. They fucking did it. They explained this post-apocalypse. Holy shit. Those dinosaurs, there's a reason they're fucking there. Holy shit. And that is what this game does. You go throughout this game. The gameplay is amazing. You have bows. You have little trip mine weapons. You shoot off the parts on the, on the dinosaurs' backs. They fall on the ground. You use them to make more ammunition. You find your favorite weapons. You gather different versions of those weapons. There's a blue one, and there's a green one, and there's a purple one. You level up all of your carrying capacities. You collect items. You build your character up in, in a skill tree that gives you all these new options. The way that the, the, the shooting feels feels so tight. It's probably the best bow and arrow I've ever felt in any game, the way it shoots. It's just phenomenal. But more important than anything is all the technical stuff is there and makes the game fun to play. But at the, the core, the character of Aloy and the supporting cast of this game, Arend, um, Rost, your, your, your um, sort of step, your, your adoptive father, um, the, the king of the Sun Tribe, the Shadow Karja king, who's sort of the enemy, um, and then um, who's the guy who, uh, who, who, who always talks like, uh, who I know, you'll, you'll know him from this, Jordan, he's the guy in um, uh, Quantum Break who plays, he's the black dude who plays, who's bald. Oh, Lance Reddick? Yeah, yeah, so he, he guides you through a good portion of this game. And when he comes in, and and what his motivations are when they're revealed, it's 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 heartbreaking too. When you find out what happened and the stuff that you know are us basically the future versions of us went through 
um, that led to this world that you see in Horizon. The reveals are and similar to the – it shows that you know to both of us, big reveals and great story really are one of the things that drives a fantastic video game experience. And this game is, is, is exactly that. It's for the very same reasons. I was so blown away when I found out what's hiding in the different vaults. Every, all over this world, there's an open world on top, and then all the big, like, sort of um, linear areas are underground in these vaults. And as you explore them, very Lost style, good touchstone you mentioned, um, you explore these these vaults and you just learn about the past and this old generation and why it ended and how it ended. And then it plays into some Black Mirror elements of technology run amok in really brilliant, intertwining, interesting ways. It's just a masterpiece. And I'm glad I waited a while because if I tried to play my number two game and then this, I think I would have been annoyed that you can't just climb any mountain. But if you take it for what it is, it is the most beautifully polished beautifully realized post-apocalyptic game and and it's it's like enslaved but 10 times better so i'm so glad they didn't shy away from making it all i can say is if you haven't played horizon jordan who's only played a little of it i'm working on it. it you gotta play it it's well now i'm playing breath of the wild so i gotta wait at least four or five months you do you do that's a good point you really do because <laughs> it will fuck with you um unless breath of the wild doesn't ever speak to you in that case maybe horizon will um but just the combat and oh my god and taking and, and then also there's these little mods that you can get so you can make your weapons into all different elements so you can have like a fire bow so i made my bow into like a really badass fire bow so it would just in, in ignite these different enemies and then they would get a burning status it's very rpg it's a very rpg open world game it's not grand theft auto 5 it's very rpg based which is just what i love in these games if you can see from my list you know prey and and breath of the wild and this that is what i love in video games and it you, you, there's all these mods, so you can have like this one. What I did is I, I cranked the damage up on my trip caster, and I found that you can shoot these like trip wires across the ground. And if you put five or six of them in front of one of the big T Rexes, which are the biggest uh, monsters, they'll walk through all six of them. And, and I had all the damage mods cranked up, and so they would just like get killed really quickly, but only because of ingenuity like that. And when a game gives me all those interesting possibilities while also delivering this tremendous linear narrative, it's accomplished everything. I want from video games and so for that reason Horizon Zero Dawn and Aloy she's one of the best uh, protagonists in any video game I've ever played hands down so anyway my number one game of the year with a bullet as you put it Horizon Zero Dawn oh awesome. and when you find out what that name means woo woo alright alright well <laughs> could, could we go out with more of a bang on those last ones man yeah, I think we both uh, we had I mean good lists overall. I would say I think so too. It was a decent year. Um, overall, it was a decent year, but man, there were some standouts. Um, this is the year we finally got Persona. I mean, remember how long we've been waiting for that new Persona game? At least I have. No, I mean it's been a hot minute since Persona Four in what two thousand nine. Long time, a really long time. So, um, anyway, uh, one game that you're looking the most forward to in twenty eighteen. Oh Lord, um, Monster Hunter World. No, uh, if again, assuming it's coming out, Kingdom Hearts three. Um, oh yeah, that that's probably the one. I'm trying to think of anything else that could be there, and you know, off the top of my head, it's hard. But no, I can just Kingdom Hearts three comes immediately to mind for me. Awesome. Um, well, I, I you know I would say I want to I want to play Monster Hunter World. Um, Anthem, dude, Anthem 2018. Haven't you heard? <laughs> Troubled is what I heard. Yeah, you, not that long ago. You heard correctly. Um, man, there's so many great games coming out this year. I, 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 I can't wait. But I would say Monster Hunter World is going to be really fun to play. 
um, Kingdom Hearts 3, absolutely. And I'd have to look at a list. Red Dead, if it actually comes out, would be really cool. I want to see... Man, why can't L.A. Noir have a sequel? Yeah. It yeah. just got a re-release. It did. Also on Switch. <laughs> That's what I'm, everything is coming. Man, this is this was Switch's year, and it seems like year two is coming. Now, you can't ever you know beat out Odyssey and Breath of the Wild, but they can surely try. I mean, you know, look, if they manage to release, like... What Metroid Prime Four next year, and just like they just need one other big big hit, and maybe they could get close. That's a good point. I said Metroid Prime Three earlier, didn't I? Yeah, Four. That would be the one. Um, yeah, they could. They really could, because Metroid Prime Four is one of those games. If they, if next year, not this year, but next year, was Metroid Prime Four and the new Pokemon, that would do it. Yeah, that would that would be the closest they could come. That that would be that would be pretty close. Now, all I'm hoping for is that. Um, Yokai Watch 3 actually comes out here. I'm holding off on 2 because I don't want to get that invested if 3 never comes. But 3 actually takes place in a place called Americane or American. And it's kind of like Japan making fun of America as the setting. So I think that might be like a hesitation <laughs> in localizing it. But I'm hoping not because I'm dying to play it. I might have to learn Japanese. It, it, it is a possibility. <laughs> um, anyway, um, wh- where can they find us, Jordan? You can find us at thejoyofgeek.net for all our written content, thejoyofgaming.com for the complete audio archive of podcasts. You can find us the Joy of Geek, the Joy of Gaming on Facebook, and at the Joy of Game on Twitter. Uh, you can find me personally at IndigoMaster, E-N-D-I-G-O-M-A-S-T-E-R on Twitter, uh, as well as jordanalsaka.tumblr.com, facebook.com slash writer, or... If you just want to follow my new webcomic, Welderkin Comic, that's W E L D E R K I N Comic.com, although the links are all on my Twitter and everywhere else as well. That is launching by the time this, January 16th. So by the time this has come out, uh, it should be live and, and started, and digital, it, the first digital issue will follow shortly after that. And watch out if you hear the clanging of hammers. <laughs> Tiny little hammers. <laughs> cool, man. Network. Where are you going to find you? Uh, at Rich Lepore on Twitter, um, and then all of the other places that you find the joy of gaming and the joy of geek content. Um, and on that note, I am Rich Lepore. Jordan Alseca. And we'll be back with part two of our game of the year, excuse me, our stuff of the year, our <laughs> TV and movies and comics of the year uh, very soon. Have a great day. Bye.